Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journey Through Time and Stuff. Yeah, see? We say it's like, it's a Saturday, see? Ah, we're here. It is uh, 81.9 degrees outside and a relative humidity of 47%. Balmy, wonderful, happy to be here. I don't know why I did that, everybody, because I can do what I want. It's my show. Uh, I spent six years doing this, and I have no idea still what the fuck I'm doing. But I'll do it. I'll keep talking. Uh, I like to hear myself. My brain is happy when I say things, and I guess that's it. I guess, is that what my life is? Just my brain happy that I talk, so I talk to make my brain happy? You know, I uh, I can tell you one thing. I was sitting out on my back porch today, in the, enjoying the wonderful Portland weather we're having this June, and uh, taking our puppy, and we're playing with him, and teaching him to fetch and bring the ball back and drop it at our feet and do that whole good thing. And I was throwing the, the tennis ball around, because he fucking loves tennis balls, and I hit our fence, like our deck railing post, and it bounced back and knocked my beer over that I had this afternoon. And I, oh, and I, I grabbed it quick, and there was a little puddle there. And so I'm just sitting there. We're throwing the ball for the dog. And I'm looking down at this puddle, and some of it's running across the boards down through the cracks. And I see a little puddle because maybe maybe the board's a tiny bit scalloped. They're not perfectly flat, and so it's pooling there. And so I just grab my finger, and I start, like, squeegeeing all of the beer down into the cracks between the boards as I'm sitting there. Just And my lady looks at me, Beth looks at me, and she goes, why don't you just splash water on it? And I said, what? She goes, why don't you just splash water on it? I'm like, no, I'm trying to get all the beer down between the – she goes, don't you think water would do the same job? And I went – yeah, but what's wrong with me using my finger? And she goes, it's it's just weird. And immediately I recognized she was trying to not let me be a child in this moment. I wanted to splash in the puddle and play with my, my spilt food. And it was a startling realization that I'm, uh, I'm probably not safe on my own. Because if it was me by myself with no one to be like, hey, you're almost 40. Remember that 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 thing? Like, don't play with beer with your finger. Your finger's not a squeegee, Aaron. I would be I'd be in a lot of trouble. Today, everybody, I have a wonderful guest here in the house. Um, this today, this this to me is like a it like like if you had two great armies that weren't enemies of each other but they just existed in the same realm and then the generals decided to have a meeting between the two armies to decide how conquering will happen uh and and how possession of the land will occur uh that's what this feels like today i have i've known this gentleman from afar for many 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 years um man i, I watched you guys play Actually, the first time I ever saw you guys play was at the beer porch, probably seven, seven or eight years ago. Were we wearing Hawaiian shirts? You were a hundred percent wearing Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> that was a great show. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was a wonderful uh, evening show, like a Saturday evening or a Friday evening at the beer porch in St. John's, and uh, and I went, "Who is this band? Who who sounds?" Who sounds like my favorite 80s 
metal slash British wave, but they're not covering any of these songs. They're all their songs. Who is this band? Well, th that band, everybody, was Splintered Throne. And today, uh, I have the bass player for that band, Brian Bailey, in the house. And everybody, give Brian a warm welcome. Hi, Brian. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, how's your Saturday? How's, how's, how's summer treating you so ah, far? Summer's doing good. Been on three mini, you know, the mini weekend tours. Um, got a couple more of those. Uh, still looking forward to the summertime. So pull that of, mic just a little closer. So lots of right. music coming up here. So uh, do that. Uh, I'm in a cover band, and so we get to play music for that as well. I'm opening up my garage in a couple of weeks, and uh, a garage. Yeah. So uh, sometimes you know I have to let the neighborhood know that I'm in a band. Um, yes. You know, and so around noon we just let all of St. John's know that we're here, and uh, I even have an opener. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. You know, because, you know, everyone likes to play to, you know, the neighborhood. That's um, it. And all my neighbors know, and they don't really mind. And my other neighbors are school, so, and they're yeah. not there. Yeah, we were, it's so funny. We were just talking about this because they're, you know, I would step out on my porch some days. Uh, we found out we lived remarkably close to each other for a, probably a decade and didn't know it. Kind of didn't know we were a stone's throw away the yeah. other side of the tracks yeah and so and so i would step out and i would just hear music happening and i'd go oh there's a band around here somewhere i wonder how many times i would hear that and it was you guys it, it was us yeah because because we would do the same thing so in, on my street we had three bands and at least a couple individual musicians who lived on my street so my earth ashes and my other bands at the time what through whatever what time they were at, would practice at my house. And then right across the street, we had a band. Um, a kid next door was learning drums, and he would just beat the fuck out of those drums, dude. And it, and you would just hear, you know, throughout the neighborhood, the same beat for like hours. And and it was just – and then down the road was were these old guys, like right on the corner, right across the corner – uh, Swift and Midway there were, were these older guys who would come out probably three times a year and just play, you know, Doobie Brothers and just come out and, and, and play classic rock tunes, man. Eagles and Doobie Brothers, you know, and, and, and they would just neighborhood jam, that kind of stuff. Same thing, open their garage. And um, it was a really cool musical neighborhood area to find out yeah we uh everyone seems to be pretty uh kind about that they don't you know no one gets on you you know your neighbors are everyone's happy for the entertainment maybe it maybe some of it stems from the you know this, the pandemic that we're kind of all getting out of and learning how to re-socialize uh and how to you know go out and i don't know maybe you have fun. I, I think i think i think it was i think it was there before especially in st john's it was it's really a cool little eclectic neighborhood and um really community yeah, one centered of, yeah you know? maybe a, one of the last art centers i mean true it gets you know pushed out everywhere else i mean northwest used to be the art center and then yep. mississippi and then and then that kind of brings in development which then pushes out the artists right. to other areas yeah yeah no it was you know it's but yeah i think i think it's uh i think i think this the boom that we kind of probably felt when everything picked back up and started feeling a little more real again um was like Everybody had felt that 
before everything stopped and now we're like give it back again yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we you want know? what we had That's, yeah yeah, yeah and, give it and back. so we kind of we just need to turn that switch and go all right I'm going to go out and, and go have some fun. So, uh, you were, we, we had just started talking, but right, right when we turned the, right before we turned the mics on, and I said, wait for that story. You had a story about a yellow head. Oh, yeah, because we had some gold. There was some serious gold going on like 15 minutes before we started. I know. So, Clarence, uh, my, oh, wait, wait, my I'm parent. so sorry. Hold on. This is going to be the perfect, everybody. I have been waiting four episodes to remember to do this at the beginning of the episode. Okay, I've been, let's I've, do this. I've been going, hey, Aaron, you make notes for yourself, and my phone was off. I didn't even have my notes up because that's how professional and this I am. Okay, everybody, I'm remembered. So before we hear about Clarence, the yellow the yellow headed parrot, I must remind you all that I am trying to coordinate a fan centered project for this podcast. If you have been a listener for a, see, I always do this at the end. I remember it when I'm done, and it's two and a half hours into the podcast. If people make it that far, they're not going to hear the message and feel invigorated at the, but at the top of it, they have energy still. They're only nine minutes and 34 seconds in. And, um, so, so I'm trying to do, I'm trying to see how many of you are interested in free stuff, more free stuff, fun, free stuff, games. Can I, did I mention this is free? All you have to do, literally everybody, if you want, because what it, what it involves is a bunch of my time creating a new game for everybody to play who's involved and listens to the podcast. And I want more fan interaction. I've been trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. And my idea is if you guys want something that is only available for the people who email me, then all you have to do is send an email that says, I want free stuff, or I like free stuff, or I want to play a game, or hell yeah, I'd be involved, or whatever you want it to say, to timeandstuffpod at gmail.com. And I'm going to be doing this for a few, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing waiting and seeing how many build up for quite a while. This is an immediate thing because I'm still working on it. But if you guys want to be involved with this, and I get enough of you to sign up for it to make it worth my time, then I will do it and you will all get cool free stuff if you've emailed me. So ding, send in those emails. I have a chime somewhere. Um, I don't know what button to press. I'm not going to press a button. <laughs> Just beat the devil out of it. Well, thanks Bob. Um, so nice try. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, okay, that's it. E- email me if you, if you like free stuff, Clarence, <laughs> Well, so there's a parent in my a parent in my life. Um, uh, Clarence is a double yellow-headed Amazon parrot um, who will probably live to maybe be about my age, right? And so, I mean, this parrot's probably about 55 years old now, um, and, and still got 20 years to go. And you so, and you said you got him when you were eight. Um, yeah, I think that's when the family adopted him. Um, but uh, he has gone through um, various owners and is now at a parrot rest so at the end actually ended up at my place probably about three years ago my mom dropped him off for a couple of days and it's like oh my god this is hilarious you know this is, a, this is a, you know a fellow creature that's living you know yeah you guys have decades. shared you guys have shared decades <laughs> you know, together right decades long old had old moments pet. you come back from yeah, college yeah, you have a it, check-in with clarence sure, it knew my name it could 
wolf whistle inappropriately in the apple tree out front. Um, it couldn't fly. Um, it broke its Did wings, wings when it was young. Or oh, broken. Well, it so while a clipping, it broke its wing. And it didn't heal right, which oh, no. was a blessing in disguise because that meant it couldn't fly. And so mm. we could literally let it climb up any tree, throw a shoe out, and it would just glide down like a chicken and, and you'd get your, your parrot back. Um, but, uh, yeah, we lost him on the river once, uh, found him underneath the dock. A um, lot, lot, lot of memories with Clarence. But so, you know, it's, anyway, fast forward few years ago, uh, came back into my life for a couple of days and it ends up going to a parrot rescue. So I know at least Clarence is, you know, going to be Where at? cared for. Uh, going to guess Northwest somewhere. Mm. I'm, I'm sure my family made sure that she was taken well care of. When, um, oh, she, so Clarence. It, you know, it yeah. might have been, so Claire, it might have been Clarence and then it might have ended up being Claire um, at the end there. Um it's not real obvious <laughs> the yeah. gender of your bird. Uh, yeah, I guess until it tries to lay to do an something. Egg. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's gonna, don't think that happened. That's, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. What does it matter anyway? It's a bird. Um, it's a bird. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So so do you, are you like ah, I'm gonna ch- set my calendar a few more years, try and track down this bird and go see it one more time, or mm. are you just kind of like no? I I think of the closure is how I think ah. I think I'm happy with Clarence having. You know, found a home, a sanctuary where you know it can live out as the rest of its life. That's awesome. Uh, That's awesome. Move on to the next rescue. What? Uh, what? Do you remember how you guys got it? I mean, oh, I don't. Well, again, I was I was, I was pretty young. Uh, I was probably what, fifth or sixth grade. Um, just my parents showed up with this parrot. Which is not an unusual thing for my parents to do. Uh, uh, I got most of my rescue animals are from my mom. You know, thanks, mom. Uh, you know, a, literally a, a casino cat will end up in my care because she just leaves it with me. A casino cat? Well, you know, it's kept going in the casino. So my mom rescued it from the casino, put oh, it in the shit. RV, brought it to my house, and then left it with me. And hence, new cat. You that know? sounds like an interesting childhood, man. A uh, uh, lot, lot of rescue pets. So rescues have always been, has actually been my, that's that's how I get my animals. Um, yeah. It's never a go seek them out until the pandemic happened and then you couldn't find a, a pet. Um, right. And so I sought one out. I uh, put my, you know, I put my, uh, you know, name in the hat for a, a rescue cat and I got one. So I've always had normal animals, you know, normal cats that, uh-huh. you know, behaved. They like you. Yeah. They're affectionate. They purr. They do cat stuff. No, that's not what I got. No. I got a an ill-adjusted, you know, cat box, you know, challenged, you know, cat that has ruined my house and a little bit my life. Um, and- <laughs> Wait, that's – okay, That that's quite a sentence. Yeah, this ill-adjusted weird cat that's ruined my house. And my life. A little bit, yeah, yeah. So, 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 okay, take it back. Cause this, I love pet stories. I love all of this. So, you put your name in for a rescue and you get told you're getting a cat. Yeah, it's like a mystery shot. You know how you pay a dollar for a mystery shot at the bar? You oh, know, yeah. you're gigging, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, what the heck? And it could be Malibu rum or it could be schnapps. And, well, I got Hood River schnapps and it was, it was bad. <laughs> And uh, is a calico. Uh, okay. Okay. And she, I, I don't know. I don't know. How her. old? Do you know? They don't. I mean, five to seven is okay. the guesstimate. Sure. 
Um, it looks Full like adult. she's had some babies. Mm. Um, I think the babies were taken away young because that's all she seems to do is just to look around for her babies. Um, oh, so she's like a nervous yeah, um, uh, anxiety kind of thing? Sort of. More of a under the couch, leave me alone, don't touch me. Um, that sort of thing. You know, it's not really a pet. More oh, of a- it's it is a stowaway. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. have you have like yeah. a someone's riding the rails. Yeah, yeah, I mean I still have to take care of it. I mean yeah. <laughs> all the responsibilities of a cat owner. Um, you know, and you gotta keep things clean and full and yeah, you know, yeah, of course, of course. Um, um, um but you know Is it only an inside cat or does it go outside? Oh no, we let it outside. The hope is it doesn't come back, but she seems to you love know, to you. just come back, <laughs> you know. So they declawed it. It wasn't us. Um, we would we would not do that. Right. Um, but it came. So she knows her boundaries. She knows her, we have a fenced yard. She seems to know what our yard is and sits outside and looks at the cars. And Can't really climb trees to get out no, over fences no, or nothing. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't. No, she doesn't do it. But does keep the neighbor cats away. I guess. So if it, if 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 she's declawed, how does the destroying happen? Chewing? Oh no, my um, hmm, no, the other the other end. Oh, just marking. I need, I need all new floors. Let's just say I need all new floors. I already tried the all new couch, and so that didn't work out so well. So we'll just uh, so so it doesn't have it, the concept of like a it litter is box. Not a super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, that I know. sucks. I know it does because at it with especially with cats because they don't give a fuck about humans. They don't. I mean, some do. I have met some cats. That like come when you call them and uh, will play fetch and weird thing like bring it back to you because they know it's a game. I've met like I've met and had I mean, we've had a lot of cats throughout my life, childhood, all that stuff. Um, we had four a revolving count of four at one time for for any given time. There was always four cats and a dog around. Um Again, rescues, f- friends, litters, and they have 10 and they don't want them anymore. You, you know, got to get rid of some cats. We we just get them. One time, one of my cats, um, th- I was probably in like fourth or fifth grade. And we get home from something and we live back in the woods. Uh, so I grew up in Alaska in a very small town. Um and college in Alaska for a little while. Where UAA or UAF? UAF. Oh, cool, cool, man. Doing what? Well <laughs> that's fucking Dude, awesome. How many times have we probably walked across each other's path? In the we, last even, we even play the same years. fucking base. <laughs> we even play the same fucking base. It's. I know. I know. It's mind blowing. Um. Uh. And I we get home and we're, I hear this cat like that. That in like help me deep guttural and we're like looking around and where is this fucking and we're like is it one of ours and we go inside and nope all of our cats are here and we start walking out and then we look up and there is this little tiny cat soaking wet there's no up in a tree up in a tree and we're like what the fuck is happening? And so we I spent probably an hour trying to get it down. It, w- it wouldn't jump. It was high enough up it wouldn't jump. And then finally went and grabbed a ladder. I'm like, you know, like I said, fifth grade probably. 
climbed up as high, and we finally get this cat down and like bring it inside and like and it, it just goes and hides somewhere and we're like okay at least it's inside we have three other cats as long as they don't fuck each other up we're gonna be all right you know we'll just see this cat in like a day or two um and then i go to school elementary school the next day and one of my friends goes hey did you find that cat or did you find your cat and i go find my cat what and he goes yeah me and my dad were down at the river now granted walking distance walking straight line the river's probably a mile through the woods to the where the river and down a giant bank and my friend thought that it was our cat and it had ran away from our house ran a mile away climbed down a giant bank and because they saw it, him and his dad were in their fucking drift boat, and this cat was on a log, cling to a log, floating down the middle of the river. It's Alaska. The waters are cold. The, the river's probably 50 degrees, and this cat was in there who knows how long. And then they brought it to my house, and it just ran up in a tree and they left it there. Didn't tell us, didn't like call we answering machines. Remember those? You you, you could just call. <laughs> Back them. In the day. Yeah, you'd walk in, see your red light blinking, hear it. Hey, by the way, we found a cat. We think it's yours. It's in a tree. No, none of that. Well, probably because they had to drive to their house to get to their landline to then call us to tell us that. The, so, you know, there wasn't a cell phone either. Um, no, that was, uh, yeah, Alaska didn't have a cell phone. I got Alaska cat found story as well. It's funny. We have a lot of parallels here. Where oh, well, so sorry. So we we ended up keeping this cat. Her name we we named her Domino. She was black and white. Um, we kept her. We we don't know how old she was, but we had her for like probably eight years. Um, she had a couple litters of cats. She would get out, come back pregnant. She had a couple litters of cats. She was the sweetest. She had some like weirdness with like walking in straight lines. She would like zig it, like she'd she'd be just walking down the hallway and like it it would it would look like the room tilted under her. And she would just like lean and like like be fighting against gravity from being pulled at one side or something like that. Um and we think it was probably because she was in the cold for so long in the water it neurologically yeah, messed. Say, sounds, 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 you know. Um, but a great cat, great cat. She lived until she died, man. That you know, she's like awesome. And and it was just one of those moments where like, but again, it's not a normal cat. We just had it until she died. You had her until you know. Uh-huh. Okay, so your weird cat found. Story. Well, it was Lucky Fairbanks. So as you said, I was in Fairbanks uh, for a year. And uh, what? So what? What were you going to school for that brought you to Fairbanks? Uh, so I decided Computers? that. Uh, no chemistry. I ah. was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna get my uh, degree in chemistry from University of Alaska Fairbanks because why not? Sounds exciting and be different. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Don't do that. Fairbanks don't, sucks. Don't do that. Don't be that different. It wasn't that cool. Anyway, um, so so wait, so so how was like negative seventy in the wintertime? Yeah, lovely, negative lovely. 80. So we actually ended up. This was a weird. So we showed up at a weird year. What was, year was it? Oh uh, my gosh, I couldn't even tell you. On uh, ninety, um, but it was. 
the issue was there was no precipitation that year. Mm. That means the standard ice fog didn't happen. The snowbanks didn't happen. Certain yeah. things just weren't really there. And that's fine. Um, Makes it, summer. It was still different. dark, you know, 20 hours a day. And oh, yeah. that sucked. Um, people were um, different. Yeah. Um, Alaska felt like you were five years in the past. You were. So if the Xbox came out, they hadn't heard of it yet. Um, yep. So everything was very much delayed. So that was weird. And yeah, what when music from from growing up there, when music became popular in Alaska, I didn't know this at the time. I know this now, or you know, early twenties. I figured this out when I moved out of state, and then would go back to Alaska and be like, "Did you guys hear about this shit?" And they're like, "Wait, what? Oh yeah, I forgot. You guys are you guys." Different time zone, yeah, so much. So, um, and there was other weird, there was other weird things, but but you know, here we are, college kids doing our thing, doing what we can. You know, they sell booze at Seven Eleven until five, so mm-hmm. bars are open till five in the morning, open it, or cl- open till five in the morning, yeah. close, and then open yeah. again at eight a.m. Yeah, Seven Elevens are great. Literally three in the morning, go get yourself a fifth. Not a problem. Yep. Um, but uh, so we're walking home from I don't know the Pizza Hut or something, and it's negative twenty. We're wearing the stuff to keep the frostbite off. We know what we're doing, and holy crap, meow! What the? You know, we're looking around and going, there is a snowbank from here to there. There is no meow, and there she is, little Lucky Fairbanks. We snag this little kitten. Like, was it in the snowbank? It was in a snowbank. Oh, so they plowed. The cat was in it. I, rolled her up in the fucking bank. Not me, or someone chucked it out of an apartment or a car or something. Who knows? I, I don't know. It'd be great to know exactly how that happened, right? Like the yeah. missing sock mystery. Where did it go? So, so we grab this cat. We bring it home. It becomes our pet. Um, and then the adventures that it had. It fell out of a two-story building. Survived. Hence its name, Lucky Fairbanks. And then we drove it home from Fairbanks back to Portland um, and only lost it once. On I the- love <laughs> that you're also a human that's driven the Alcan. Oh, twice. Fair it back, bro. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hey, man. Hi, hi. So, so Destruction Bay, huh? <laughs> Fuck Destruction Bay, huh? When they say, when they say rough road... F- uh, for the next few miles, what they're saying is, what they're this, saying is, two hundred miles of an alternate highway. <laughs> it's it's like by yeah. Hey, hey we suggest for when, when when anywhere in the Yukon territory has a road sign that says we suggest four wheel drive. Oh what God. they mean is you need to have a military vehicle. <laughs> you better be having a Hummer and. Oh, and uh, spare tires and sp- yeah, dude, fucking crazy. I, I built a I built a grill for both our cars. I built a bug rock grill at the front, and and when we got up there, I ended up with some really nice specimens. If you were a fisherman, um, you, you'd have been happy with my catch. But and, uh, and not only is it like two hundred miles of road like that. You can only do 35 oh, miles an hour, just, 30 yeah, miles an hour. You're not, yeah, you're not. There's no 55 or 60 cruising through. No, this isn't a smooth highway. <laughs> oh, oh, so I caught on fire. Um, oh, got, sweet. Oh, yeah, caught on fire. Got stuck at uh, 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 Lake Charles. No, um, Charles Lake. 
anyway, got stuck somewhere in BC for a week. Um, let's see, got up there. Yeah, it, but that was back when they just let you through the border pretty easy. Yeah, I wasn't so bad there. There was there was none of that. Um, got up there, had a campground, got an apartment, um, and then it snowed three days later. So we were like, I mean, you couldn't have shaved it. I mean, it was pretty much. You know, by the since since here. since you since you were an interior guy, and and did you spend all the, the whole time just in the interior, or did you head south at all? Uh, I went to Nally once um, before. Oh, you didn't go down Anchorage Way I or nothing. I didn't get to do. I didn't do any of that. I went to college. Yeah, I went up there and I was a you know chem major. I had so, a full so, okay. ride or not what? Ride, I, I full schedule, and yeah. I just went to college all the time. What made you? Why chemistry? What was your passion? What did you want to do with it? Are you doing it with it now? Did you, were you successful? Oh wow! Okay, uh, because no, I'm, I'm so, I, I love science. So, I, I'm I love it. So all the way through high school, it was mostly biology. I have dissected everything. Um, I love. And that. then in college, it was biology. Um, with a lot of uh, A and P and all that fun stuff. But you need bio- to know chemistry. But, well, biologists don't get jobs that pay very well um right. and chemists do and so but i wasn't i i the math was a you know as good as i was at math i'm not really that mathy mm-hmm. um and so the four you know the you know full string of calc didn't seem all that thrilling to me or right. the physical chemistry so i ended up on biochemistry and so instead of taking the you know, all that stuff. I ended up taking, you know, math, you know, higher uh, yeah. level protein chains, yeah, amino yeah, acid yeah. chains, polymerizers. Stuff. Yeah, all that good so stuff. Yeah. I, gra- I, gra- I got a major in uh, molecular biology and I double majored that in biochemistry. And so um, that was my major. Um, basically, congrats. A bunch of That's a lot stuff. of work, dude. I mean, it's it's a lot of work, man. It was dense material. Portland State. I was on the seven year plan. So yeah. been to every community college around. <laughs> So many credits, um, but um, you know some of them in, in you know ceramics. Um, but uh, but in the end, and then I thought I was going to be a chemist, and I uh, ended up being a safety guy. But it is at a chemical laden company, so it has that crossover. Yeah. So so you you need to just know compounds, mixtures, aerization rates, that kind of shit. MSDS. Yeah, it's vapor pressures and boiling point, things like stuff oh, it's that stored. you would actually it's, it's stored, can, solubility, stored pH, sure. you know, it's the common things that you would care about whether or not that's going to hurt me or not. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. So that kind of fell backwards into that. But uh, also it really had to do with, you know, chemists tend to get a job. So I mean, so you're like you're like the guy at, at that, that when they have the sign that said this plant has been 571 days without an accident. I'm that guy. Yeah. I'm the guy that puts this back. I'm the guy that you goes back and puts zero. zero on it. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I, hang, I literally and, hung those signs myself. Oh, man. Yeah. I've been a safety guy for 20, 23 years now. Yeah. I, I like that, man. That's that's good. That's well. So that means that that has to, to me when I hear somebody say that they've been doing a job for twenty or more years, it tells me two things: one, it doesn't drain the life out of you, and two, it allows you to have the freedom to then be a musician to do your pro to do what you want, or no. 
It, well, it does. What's nice is being that a musician is not my career. Well, right, th- right. right. me you're, you're, Yeah, you're, the, your career can support the fact that you are a musician. It's great being an older musician. And you'd have to agree that when you go out on a weekend, um, back, you know, when you were 20s, your choice was sleeping in your car. Uh-huh. That was the choice, you yeah. know, when you're in a- Or the van with the yeah, rest of the guys yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But when you're an adult with a career underneath you, you're like, oh, you know- Hilton sounds great. Let's all get a room. <laughs> and you end up with a room and a nice dinner. And it, it makes life a little bit better when you do it this order. A hundred percent. Right. You know, get your get your life together before you become maybe the amateur musician. Um, so, yeah, but do, don't we all have to figure that out because we were all an amateur musician doing it the wrong way, doing it the hard way? Oh, uh, I was later in the game, though. So that's the well, thing. Okay, so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, before before that, before that. Before we start on, because I want to talk Ooh, music shop, bass, bass history. That's it. Let's go. Um, you know, you know, what I thought was, I think, is funny. Um, I don't know if you run into this, but I had this this thought about pe- people who, just people who find it incredibly necessary to like strongly have labels for themselves. In, in in ways that actually don't tell the other interested parties anything about you. So like, and this is, this is where this thought came into my head. I was at work the other day and I was talking to a customer. I'm, I'm a mechanic. I've uh, been a mechanic for 20 some years at obviously different shops, but same field for my life. That's all I've been. Um, and I'm talking to this customer and he's trying to tell me about his truck and he's bullshitting me and he is talking to me like I wouldn't catch on that he's bullshitting me. He's saying things are done to his truck performance wise that are not done to his truck. And I know this because I've worked on it. I've dripped like I, kn- I know, but he's trying to bullshit me and I'm not, I'm not take, I'm not, I'm not calling him out on it. But I'm asking him questions that are probing into highlighting the fact that he has he's bullshitting me. And he looks at me and he tells me, hey, what are you trying to say? I'm a no-nonsense type of guy. And that phrase stuck with me. I'm a no-nonsense type of guy. What in the world does that even mean? That, like, what specificity is there in that? No nonsense? Ever? Really? Never nonsense. Or, and then it, it that just, like, got me thinking, and I started noticing the, you know, Things like that and the tendency of people to want to, I don't know, what, what do you, what's your thought? I, well, yeah, so <laughs> they're making a specific, they're, they're making a statement and it, it, it turns out, right, I mean, what we find out is most people, when they say things like that, um, they, he actually is a nonsense guy. <laughs> the fact that he has to make that claim, right, um, versus just demonstrating it for through who he is, right? You know, you know, um, you try, you know, 
add labels. Let's say calling yourself the alpha male, right? This whole thing has been great, which is I'm, just hilarious. I, I'm by an the way, alpha male, you know, because because you know, for computer programmers, uh, we all know that uh, alpha was like the worst program ever. Wouldn't, oh my god! Wouldn't, wouldn't alpha you, sucked. Wouldn't you want to be like <laughs> beta? Beta, gamma? At least, please. I, Epsilon. Oh I, I'll be Epsilon. Uh, you know, Windows 3.1, you sucked. Um, anyway, so that's kind of funny. But, you know, people that claim that, you know, you start, I just kind of start filtering them out. I realize that they're probably not the one of people that I'm going to want to hang out with. No. They're not going to bring me a whole lot of joy. So, you know, let's get them out of my life as fast as possible and hopefully don't interact with them as often, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, but, but, but they always end up there. Yeah. They always end up injected in your surroundings somehow, and and inevitably you're you're at a gig. Well, now you're tuned to hearing this. Now you're tuned to hearing somebody declare a label on themselves. And I now now of course I'm going to do that. But but, so this but next I'm week, fine. I'm, <laughs> I'm fine if someone says I'm a painter. Okay, that's well, that's, that's a statement of fact, though. Sure, right? But it's also a label. Sure, I, okay, right, right. Uh, or or how about this? I'm a I'm mechanically inclined. Okay, that would all right. Right, I think if someone wants to, st- if someone wants to say that, oh, maybe it depends on context. Now that I'm trying, yeah, to right, right, right. Think now, about this it. Is a context thing. So, if someone says, "Hey, I need help working on this," oh, hey, I- I'm mechanically inclined. I can help you out there. But that guy was being a, a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be like, it, no, no. Okay, it'd be like, it'd be like if 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 he's like, if he calls. A tech line because his computer is doing something and he can't figure out how to hook his printer up and make it print. And so he calls the Dell tech line and he's sitting there talking to the the tech and she's like, oh, yes, sir. Have you tried powering it off and turning it back on again? Oh, yes, sir. She's running him through his his stuff. She's done this a thousand times and every time she's been and, and he goes. Oh, ma'am, ma'am, I, I am mechanically inclined, okay? <laughs> if you think that I haven't turned off my printer and turned it back on, that's the guy that would uh, say that. That that's like, okay, sir. So you know, I was I was I was I was Dell Tech at one time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so my analogy. So you understand, let's see. We can't actually admit that that problem exists, so we have to pretend it's the first time we've ever heard of the problem. And it's like, oh, I don't know. Let's try this. Okay, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Okay, so if if you're a Dell tech and you're working there and someone calls in and they go, hey, I'm having this problem. Here's my error error code. Uh Will you just jump to that error code and work for there or do you have to backtrack and still take them through the first steps even if they have the error code? Yeah, there's a script. All really? these all these businesses they have scripts, right? And so they need just for you know, the business model. I don't know, someone came up with it, right? Some manager came up with this plan that says, Hey, you know, if we start from A to Z and do it this way all the time, we're guaranteed to have better success than just oh, this is the issue and going right from there. I don't know who wrote that program, but um um but that's what I found. <laughs> Interesting, because it seems, you know, from from a mechanic standpoint, <coughs> if someone comes up to me and they're like, "Hey, I'm having this problem." Oh, by the way, I pulled the codes. Here's the the trouble code. Oh, oh, like that's something like 
I would go, oh, well, there's a, there's a piece of diagnostic information that I can then jump a jump off point. Well, from. I guess it depends on what it is. If you're, you know, let, you know, the comment was, I guess I'm not, I don't have an NDA. Um, so I guess, <laughs> I guess if your Outlook lost your password, right? That was the common one. I was, so it, the, I the, can't log back in. The little cookie my... would get deleted and, you know, cause everyone deleted their cookies. And it's like, well, that was your fucking password, man. And so they call in and say, can't log in. You're like, oh, I, Okay, I've never heard of this before. You're like, oh my God, this is the 18th time I've done this this morning. Um, and you're like, oh, you need to go here, here to do this, to do that. And so, yes. So once that specific error code, then we would fix that. It's more of the, hey, I can't connect to the internet. Oh, fudge. Okay. Then you have to start at, you know, ground zero. You are okay. fascinating. So, so you've been a, a, a chemical safety guy. The number, the change back for fuck up guy for 20 something years. Uh-huh. When were you a Dell per in the meantime? Uh, was it a no, second no, thing? Was no, it before? That was before, before times. So, oh. so, so you were, you were a Dell tech in the nineties. Yeah. So it was graduate, can't find a job, get any job, make money, pay rent, live, right? Um, hey, Dell Tech, that's cool. I can do that. I know computers. But was... you were in the 90s. Yeah, doing it. Yeah, so so, yeah. so people were calling in for problems with Windows 95. Pentium or, just came out. Uh, <laughs> it's all about the Pentiums, baby. Pentium 60, 66, and 90 just came out. I had a 60. Um, I had the fastest computer of anybody I knew. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I remember, I remember I got really into building computers in the late 90s because – because it was cheap back then to build computers, man. Not like flooded market shit today. Egghead. I remember buying a a GeForce. God, I I was upgrading all my video cards, all my my video stuff, and I bought a GeForce. Oh God, what? I I don't remember what it was at the time. Um, for like. I mean, it was like 50 bucks, a, a, like the top of the line new GeForce in like the late 90s. And it was like 50 bucks for that that video card. That always seemed it was the Sound Blaster. Oh. That was the card. If you didn't have a Sound Blaster sound card, you were nothing. That's, <laughs> I tell, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I actually probably did have a Sound Blaster card. Oh. Um, because I wanted to run 5.1 while I was playing Unreal Tournament. Yeah, you go. Yeah. While I was playing Unturn- uh, Unreal Tournament, I wanted 5.1 Dolby, man. Uh, Let's I was go. mech, mech. I was mech, mech warriors. Warrior. Oh, uh, yeah, dude, mech. I had the, I had the, I had the, the feet. I okay. had, the, I had the torso feet. Uh, what was that? The throttle thing. I had the. Oh yeah, I had the whole on cockpit shit. <laughs> you were okay. So so mech warrior two was. I think of the early mech games before they changed the graphics models. I think that was the best. Oh, some of those games were so good. Mech Warrior Three was cool. I never even got there. But Mech Warrior Two, two was, that was the dude. I, I I played that game for so <laughs> fucking long. Jo- all joystick. Yeah. I did. I, I didn't. I didn't use mouse and keyboard. I used joystick and keyboard. Yeah. Um. Because you had all your fire weapons. Yeah, you could double that. trigger. Yeah, I had yeah, back yeah. panels. Yeah. I could alternate weapons. Did I you had the feet. I didn't. I, no. Ah, the feet no. was nice. Yeah. No. Um. 
you know, you ha- I we we upgraded our joystick probably five times. I I spent more money on joysticks. Ah, Thrustmaster. Oh my god, those bastards. <sighs> Got so much Dude, of my you money. You had throttle <laughs> controls. You had all the jetpack variations. Oh, yeah, yeah, you could yeah, left yeah. dart, right dart, do yeah. all that from the top uh, of the joystick. You had yeah. individual toggles. Your toggle, your, oh yeah, your so you hat. could so you could move your hat and oh my god, joysticks, dude. We because I was also a huge flight sim guy. I loved fucking flight sims, man. I would just I would f- fly for forever. <laughs> in fact, in fact. Um, I, when I was a kid and doing all of this, I, flight sims were so cool. I was like, I want to be a fighter pilot. And then when I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school and I was like six, two or six, three, cause I'm a tall fucking bastard. So when I was, I was really tall in, in high school. Um, in fact, I was the tallest person in my high school at the time I was like a junior and senior. I was the tallest kid for years in that and, school. And here I am, the, one of the smallest of my high school. We are like Mutt and Jeff, bro. <laughs> we really are. We really are. In fact, we, when we when we were playing the 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 Ev, the uh, Ev, or not Ev, the Kelso show, we we made that that we had that comment after when we were watching that that other that ba- that third band play. Um, that it's hilarious that we have all this stuff in similar, but yet we're like the opposite ends of the bell curve, right? Everybody is in the middle and we're on both downhill slopes of the bell curve of human height. We're we're probably, we're probably honestly at the same latitude. Yeah, right. If you were to, you know, we're probably four or five degrees up off the bottom. 98% somewhere. Well, I, I would bet. I don't know. You'd have to look up what your percentile is. Yeah, I would bet I'm in the top. I would. I bet I would. I would. I would say probably of of human range. I would. I would say eighty five percent. There's a lot of fucking sick people who are six ten and seven feet, dude. Compared to the number of people, the number of people that are seven five or seven. Th- you know what I mean? Like right, those how, big motherfuckers. How tall are you? Six eight. Oh, we're gonna find it out no, no now. Dead air. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, we're gonna find it out. So he's he's looking up right now. Um, do you need another beer? I do. Oh, please, sir. There's six that. six what? Six eight. Six Damn. feet eight inches. Damn. Six nine with my work boots on. You are. And I tell people six nine when they ask so that they can make the sixty nine joke and laugh at themselves, thinking they're a novel, but they're not because I've heard it a billion times. Okay, uh, one in eight thousand males. One in eight thousand. Okay. Okay, males. That's okay. Wait, well, wait, wait. All right, you know. All right. Um, let's see. Well, yeah, we're looking. We're probably looking. The number. It's probably like one in two hundred. Oh, here's 000. the chart. I'm like, I got the chart. I got the beautiful. Chart. I got the chart. The good old fashioned bell curve. Everybody, for oh, those of you who oh, don't know, a bell curve. Oh, you are off the bell curve, though, Brass, and I may be too. We're both off of it? Let me see. Um, you just look at the graphic. Um, that's boys, right? I, mean, I guess the B is the red, the blue is the boys. Okay, I'm not off. So, 5'5", five, five, I am... I'm a couple sigma up there. You at 6'8", you're not... You're off it completely. Yep. No, so, really? Uh, yeah, you're... You, so, you are... 
You are taller tall than I am shorter short. Damn it. I knew I was a freak. See, you're still in the fucking medium <laughs> medium median range. Slightly. I'm just yeah. mostly short. But you're, I'm 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 in the freak. I'll tell you what. When I was freaky tall, when I, when I was a senior in high school, I I had another growth spurt between junior and senior year of high school, and I was a soccer player. I also I played football, basketball, everything. Small school, you we played everything. Um. So, but I was a soccer player. I did st- soccer instead of track because they were both spring sports. Um, and my senior year, my feet turned into size fifteen. And basketball shoes all day long, all day long. Football cleats all day long. Linemen have huge feet. So they make soccer players have small feet. Soccer players are your sized humans. May a, a huge soccer player is 6'1. Like a big soccer player is 6'1. And I'm here 6'7 in high school, size 15 fucking feet. <laughs> Play and soccer. I needed soccer. I needed cleats. And so we got on on the internet. Well, first we went through the actual paper catalogs. East Bay had all those old sports shoe magazines back in the day. Looking through, no cleats in the magazine listed at size 15. Someone has to make size 15. We ended up having to order my shoes. I think they were Adidas, actually, out of a manufacturer in germany and germany was the only place at that at that time i was ordering soccer cleats on the planet we called heads of we were looking everywhere nike adi all of them and finally we had to get shoes out of germany so i'm this alaska kid buying the one of the only pairs of size 15 cleats in existence at the time but Europeans don't got like size fifteen feet. No, they they do. That's why they're there. <laughs> but that's where they made that's them. Where they, they made the it, American yeah. market. Yeah. All that where we ever got we got our they were making getting their cleats from at the time. Um, weren't making they none of them produced them. They didn't have the molds for the heel plant like the feet plans. You know to make size they didn't even have that technology in their plants where they manufactured them. No, we had to go to fucking Europe. And so I thought that was that was. Uh, a, a great shining example of how much of a fucking freak I really am. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. You got to duck under stuff and, and I have to jump for stuff. That's uh, two sides of the. Yeah. Well, we had this conversation too when we were up at, after the gig. Um, we are both in the opposite side of the spectrum for finding pants that fit. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We're talking boys section at Mervyn's. Oh. Yeah. That was a great upbringing. Oh, my God. <sighs> so yeah, hard. Now, try to find try to find rock clothes. Try to find, you know, oh, fashion wear. You I know? do. So, I, I shop in the women's section. Thank you very much. That's why I'm styling on stage. You are, actually. I'm well, jealous of your so, swag. Thank you very much. Uh, but, yeah. I turn, so, you know, because the ladies know how to dress. And, yeah. you know, I, hey, I will guyliner half the time anyway, so might as well look good on stage. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, I wear shorts a lot of the time because I can find shorts that are long enough that they because don't- no look. one makes pants as long as you. 
They so don't. I keep t- so I keep saying so I keep oh, I'm, so I'm going to make this offer again. I'll make this publicly here. Get your measurements. Talk to my gal who's a master seamstress. I bet she can make you a pair of pants. Because all I really want is one perfect pair fitting cup, show pants. Cup, cup, a pair, a pair of show pants. You know, I don't care about what see I what wear I in do. public. See but I if do. I had like a, a you know a pair of nice pants that actually fit me, uh. She does dresses. I don't know if she's ever done pants. I will be. It's a big ask. I will. Well, here's the thing. I don't care (laughs) how they look. I only care that they fit. (laughs) Well, she will care how they look. So, well, but they could. They could just. They. They could. I mean, I will wear Frankenstein. (laughs) You could skin Frankenstein. Make pants out of him. Well, we do do a lot of cosplay, so it could end up being, you know, cosplay or being the horrible. It could be, you know, merciless, you know, all that stuff. I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, oh, we are crushing it. Are we crushing Dude, we it? We are doing so good right now. In fact, uh, it's time. Oh, we have a commercial? A commercial. Uh, we should do a commercial break. We will. We are going into a commercial break right now. Oh. Is that, is that- hey. Welcome back to Falco's 90-Minute Meditation Hour. I'm your astrally projected inner truth self and part-time vacuum salesman, Falco. All right, my astro friends, start by closing your eyes. Sit on your root chakras and let's meditate. Today, we're going to practice being mindful. Start by focusing on the breath. Pay close attention to the air sacs slowly collapsing and expanding inside of your chest cavity. They put little tiny oxygen dudes into your body pipes and they ride tiny red Cheerios to your arms and legs like a top-down C5 Corvette cruising down a Pacific Coast Highway. Oh, oh. Mindfulness. Right, right. The breath. You will notice thoughts pop into your brain, and you must let them go and go back to the breath. Pay attention to the breath. Feel your legs touching whatever you're sitting on, and feel your feet connected to the ankles. Why are ankles? The knobbly lower leg hinges called ankles. They don't ink. Oh, 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 it looks like that's the end of the show. Uh, uh, I guess that we were mindful for an hour. Whoa. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of uh herb's gardening center today we are joined by herb i'm his illustrious co-host clarence and um by the way i am a parrot i can talk this is what 50 years of learnt living does to you uh herb is a fantastic gardener and he is just about to jump in on this wonderful broadcasting system to demonstrate some of his wonderful knowledge of gardening herb well, thank you for having me. Uh, I like to talk about uh, composting. Um, composting is a very important part of uh, gardening. Uh, it's important to get the right uh, combination of your greens and your browns for your compost. 
Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's wonderful. So with with composting, uh, what what are you looking for here? Are you looking for a nitrogen consistency? Are you looking for a texture, a smell? Uh, what what is your aim for the perfect compost there, Herb? So I like to use the uh, lawn clippings for the green part there, and I put that in there. And then I use my coffee, of course, for the brown part, and I put that in there. And then you gotta get a mixture of about fifty fifty. Then you let it sit, you know, under the sun for a while, and get yourself some compost. How do you then uh, apply your compost to your garden for the best absorption process? Well, you just sprinkle it around the base of the plants that you got going on there, and then you get your nice little tomatoes there later on in July and August. That has been another uh, episode of Urban with Herb, uh, the gardening profile, uh, a deep dive uh, into the collective consciousness of America's gardening system. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. I hope you liked that. That was a quick little... Uh, we are an affiliate of PBS, and so we, every once in a while, will uh, have them jump in and, uh, you know, show us just a little preview of what you can find on that wonderful uh, public access TV. It's it's wonderful. He, he kind of smelled like a cow a little bit there. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, when, when, when I worked out the deal that they could be on the podcast i thought they were just going to send in like a recording i didn't think that he was actually going to come in here uh he didn't even knock he walked right in our house totally weird (laughs) but you know i'm I'm good with that because because i like gardening you know i I appreciate i appreciate his profession yeah yeah i'm glad it it is he's a public servant he he ought be recognized for his um wonderful work cheers 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 to herb the herb guy uh, so how, um, let, let's jump into the fun part. Let's, let's jump into the, the, uh, the music side of things. Would, would you say, uh, you need to be a musician? Ooh, that's a rough one. Ah, oh, um. Pull, pull your mic closer again. There so, yeah. So gigging practice. All that stuff is effort and heart. Let, let's 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 be honest about this. This is not this is not a hobby that we do that has you know. Hey, this is something I'm gonna you know I practice for three hours today. This is a lot of effort, you know, yeah. and 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 commitment, um, commitment exactly. And it, but you know, it is what you want to do. And I think the people that do these things whether or not it's through that blind passion that they have or just simply that commitment that's to what they want to do um i don't know maybe those are close enough to be the same um i think if i didn't do music that's really the question if i didn't do music would i miss it well yeah I, i don't think i couldn't not right so i look forward to doing more music i literally plan my life it's like hey when i'm done working Maybe I can do more music. Yes. Okay. That that that. See, that's a wonderful answer to the question because I'm kind of of the same mind. I can't, I can't envision a life worth living where I'm not performing and indulging in the creativity of the music to an equal amount that I love to capture it. Right. I started my life appreciating music deeply before i ever was a knew i was going to be a player of it for life yeah 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 okay what was it the first weird owl we- oh wow okay a love weird owl still all the time uh, rush 2112 oh, so 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 bedroom. so so for 
literally it 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 it's it is episodic, right? It for me it wasn't one infinite moment or like finite moment. It was it it is episodic. And so is this like MTV weirdo? No, During no, your life? no, 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 like like bad oh, hair day. Dr. Demento weirdo? Uh later than Dr. Demento weirdo. I would like like I the first we listened to Bad Hair Day, which was his like ninety two album, the one with uh Gangsters Paradise, Co- the Coolio all that those. Um uh UHF the movie, mm-hmm. nineteen eighty five Weird Al. Um that was giant in my life. But so my both my parents are musicians. I grew up with music. In fact, I'm gonna pl- I'm gonna play this a second f- for you here. This is gonna blow your mind. Um, where is this? So this is a recording of me. Uh, right here at like. Six years old. My dad had a recording studio. Uh, he was a musician. He'd record bands, like full recording studio. Um, I learned how to run a reel to reel. I knew how to pull out a reel to reel, pull it out of the case, a four track, load it on, spool it, spin it up, tension the reels, get the headphones, put them on turn on the power to everything and start it and listen to tapes that my dad would record on his reel to reel. So at three, I could do that. This was me at six. Oh, no, no, wrong one. Quit. I had the whole song in my head. Basically, I made it really dramatic. I was playing two chords. I was going E, A, A, E. And obviously, I was playing a real size guitar and I'm six. But I was trying to play chords and like, recording bad to the bone man so george thorogood early was probably like my jam early memories george thorogood zz top willie nelson johnny cash uh um all the country great old country greats old rock greats when i was a young kid there was so much Pink Floyd being played in my house that it was indistinguishable from the music we would hear when we get on the radio that was like new modern hits. I thought Pink, I was listening to like metal and Adam Hart Mother as a young kid and thinking that those are like, that's like a modern band playing that music now, not knowing it was 30 years old already, 20 years old already, however old it was, you know? So it was all those old bands. And then I discovered Weird Al. And that made me go, oh my God, I've heard these songs on the radio and he makes them better. He makes these songs better. Like, holy shit, right? It blew our fucking minds. And then next was Metallica. And then from that moment, from Metallica, it's like, okay, the world opened up, you know. But yeah, that was the genesis. Old classic rock. Pink Floyd, Beatles, you know, that kind of shit. I think mine was, really was, you know, kind of, you know, juvenile music when, you know, I was in grade school. Uh, a lot of, you know, uh, 
dead puppies and you know fish heads and you yeah. know a lot of the doctor demento stuff not knowing you know hadn't really got into journey yet you know and sure. all these things and yeah i wasn't you know puberty man it's puberty you know right whatever whatever that hits and, and being accepted <laughs> right by your peers yeah and or a family right who sure. your older brother you know or sister is listening to this <laughs> shit and i you know i had an older brother and wasn't listening to this stuff um my family didn't either um but but again man once i hit there was that certain age once it was like holy shit who is this motley crew who is this acdc and who is this rush oh it was really was rush i mean you can really can, can block out all other bands yeah, for yeah. about a decade and it was everything about rush now it wasn't something i could play very well and we haven't really gotten into talking about bass so we much we're going but, to but but well, but play it not so much but listen to it and absorb what that what that music felt like and that was everything there was xanadu my life right you know <sighs> as many times as i could play that song over and over in hemispheres over and over again just absorbing that music. So I'll tell you, for me, Rush wasn't Rush didn't become a staple of my life until my twenties. I I I I I found Metallica and went more metal. I didn't go the other way, and so I went more metal. And and for the longest time, I was like really like just a a metal industrial. Uh, you know, I mean, I liked the kill switches and the corns and uh, uh, a Treyu and and you know th- th- that. I, and I really gravitated to Avenged Sevenfold was huge for me. Early Avenged Sevenfold, uh, pre Bat Country Avenged Sevenfold was huge for me. Um, bands like that, and then Primus was huge. I discovered Primus really early and fell in love and and what. Oh, you can do that with like I didn't even know what I was hearing was a bass guitar <laughs> when I was hearing it. It was just funky and weird and jokes and self-expression that was authentic. Like that was the thing that Weird Al did too. He was doing what he wanted to do, not what would get him famous or sound on the radio, you know. Yeah. It wasn't following convention, it was authenticity. Um yeah, no, and but but I guess as far as like a band like Rush for me would be Dream Theater. Yeah, I didn't really. I, that's not that's not somebody that I, I super follow. Um, and there's so many bands out there, and people are like, oh, you don't follow. It's like, well, there's a million bands. Um, how can you? How can you? Um, but that's uh, what got me into Prague, and then from Dream Theater came Rush. And now Rush is my favorite band of all time (laughs) because once you hear, and I will tell you your moment of 2112 for the first time, I had that moment. Just, I wasn't a kid. I was a full grass grown adult in tears going, Oh my God, this is what fucking music is. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. Oh my God moment. Right. Like, and it truly was. I had heard, I had heard all of dream theaters, craziest shit, 24 minute songs. I'd heard all of the epics. And then the first time I heard 2112 was like, and there's only three of them? See, so, 
I kind of feel like I just hit it right out of the the box, yeah, you know. You did, I kind of, you got, you got, I, I just kind of went to the top and just stayed there. And so for me, it was that it was Jethro Toll. <sighs> it was you know Aqualung, man. Yeah, I, mean, I have all on. those on. Oh, I have all, all those on all, Bible. I have all that uh, stuff. Passion play. Um, yeah. Oh, come on. Uh, oh, thick as a brick. Thick as yeah. Oh, come on. All Songs of, of the woods. All of it. Um, so Metallica I really, I will got, never forgive him. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the full, the full, the full flute page ad that the flute god is a heavy metal right. instrument. I love that. Oh my god, you were there. <laughs> Fucking Jethro Tull, man. Go, oh, god damn. I, I watched even their two thousand shit was oh. good. Oh my goodness gracious, Farming on the Freeway. Farming on the that Freeway really was a good album. I'm yeah. like, come on, people. Yeah. Um, what was the one with the robotic face on the front? Uh, um. It, it was like the weird uh, Jethro told the robotic. It had the robotic face on the front of the album. God damn it! What was that album? It was like a '90s one. Oh, uh, what uh, Broadsword and the Beast? No, um, maybe. Yeah, it was big, big on that. Um, but it was really uh, so. But I never played bass to any of those musics. So how? So so I only played bass to Judas Priest and to Iron Maiden. When did you pick up? When did you go? Okay, I want to start the stuff I'm listening to. I love. I they play these instruments. I want to try it. Oh, I had nothing to do with that. I, I, there was a guitar player who needed a bass player. I'm totally a cliche. Oh, me too, man. Right? It's like hey, I was a guitar player first. I oh, I never. So I knew. I knew nothing. I was 18. So left home. Uh, that's I guess a cliche too. So literally, uh, 18, left home a month after my birthday. Kicked out of my house. Um, that's a whole other story. Um, I had full-time jobs. I'm like, fuck this. I'll be on my own. And kind of have been since then. It was a long time ago. Um, and so I met up with some friends, uh, that I was in college with and I stayed in their basement and there was a guitar player there, a guitar player named of Scotty Balk, who is, uh, actually he's a really good guitar player and he's out of Oregon city and he's probably playing tonight somewhere over there. He is a blues king. The man is a player. Anyway, Scotty like, Bell, like he has deep pockets. He's got deep pockets. Anyway, so he needed, okay, this is 30 years ago. He needed a bass player. And so I'm like, oh, what's that? You know, like, okay. And so I picked up a Hondo. So my friend had a Hondo. He was playing bass too. Um, had a Hondo in a Gorilla 10, right? Had a little Gorilla yep. there. And um, put on um, AC, uh, sorry, uh, Judas Priest, um, Grinder. Great album. And I learned how to play that song. Oh, I mean, sorry, yeah, the song. The song from yeah, yeah some uh, the the Razor Ra- Razor's Edge. Yeah. Ra- no, what's that no. song? The Breaking the Law album. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, y- your your audience is killing us right now. They're yelling at us. They're screaming. Addis. Anyway, look it up. Better look oh, it up. Oh my god! Right? No, no. We would figure this out if we didn't have internet. I know, right? We would sit here and so go. So breaking the law, whatever. What that album? Yeah, it is not painkiller. No. It is Judas Priest, Screaming Eagle. No, not nope. Screaming for Vengeance. Screaming for Vengeance. I no. mean, Screaming Eagle. Jesus. Um. Oh, they hate us right now. Um. Jesus. You better look it up. Okay, I'm gonna look anyway, it up. I'm so, failing everybody. So my bass player, so so my guitar player said, "Hey, uh, learn how to play this shit." So, bomb, 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 bomb. Right? You just hit a bunch of A's for a while, um, and then you learn how to that, and then you're like, "Oh, okay." And so that went to Ted Nugent, Double Live Gonzo, 
that big old CD, that double live CD that you could get, right? You know, for five bucks or something. So that one had nothing but. You're going to be so mad. What is it? British Steel. Yeah, that's the one. God damn it. So anyway, so once you learn British Steel, learn all those songs, then go to Ted Nugent, Double Live Gonzo, and learn all those songs, which is literally the same four notes, 400,000 times over it, but you're a bass player, you're a percussion, you're a rhythm, this is what you're supposed yeah. to do for a living, right? And so you do that for a couple of years, and then you hear about this band called Iron Maiden. <laughs> And then your head explodes at 18. Yeah. And you're like, what is this peace of mind? And I will master this. Peace and of so mind. then I did. And then what is this? Unleashed of the East. Oh my freaking God. And master that. And so, and then one by one, Power Slave. And then I went backwards, Number of the Beast. And so I'm not a phrasy guy. That's the thing. I'm not a rush guy. Yeah. I can't. I am. I, I find it difficult to do that do you know why i don't know why why <laughs> what's we, my deficiency we we talked no it's not a deficiency we talked about this you, i can't you, i don't phrase well you said you don't know theory well i don't yeah i don't do that i know i know i know i know this guy steve harris and he plays lots of notes and and they're cool that's yep. what i do right yeah I could I, after we do this. Oh, we should do some. I'm gonna blow your fucking mind in five minutes. Five minutes all, is all you need because you know the fretboard. I know my fretboard exactly, and so all you need to do is see it how Getty sees it. And maybe that's it. Uh, maybe that's it. But okay, it, it but it doesn't matter because what you do in 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 in. The only context I have of you as a bass player is watching you play with Splintered Throne. Okay, that's the only context I have of you as a bass player. I've never seen you just pick up a bass in a room and play. I don't know what I don't know what you would do. You would I I guarantee you wouldn't do. You wouldn't pick up and just play Splintered Throne. Splintered Throne songs. Right, right. No one does that. Who do, do people do that? I don't know. What do people do, right? When I pick up my bass and no one's around and it's not practice time, what is it that I'm doing? Right. I'm riffing. Yeah. Right? I'm just... I'm working on snapping it. I'm, I'm, I'm working on my popping oh, in my right, thumb. Yeah. So Good. a whole... Totally different technique, everybody. That's a whole different type of bass playing. It's... Just like playing with the pick, just like playing with the finger. That whole thumb shit, it's like, ah, fuck, this is Victor Wooten hard. is the fucking... Ah, what the fuck? Yeah, right? It's like, so ticka, 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 ticka. So I've been doing my... I literally I do exercises. Ticka, ticka, Me ticka. too, man. It's the whole, you know, let's be like Flea. Yeah. So I'm trying to be like more like Flea. So my cover band, I've been working on a little bit more like ticka, 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 songs like that. Good, 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 good. Um, Okay, so you're, you're, you're backing up this amazing blues player. You're learning all of Iron Maiden and so Priest, yep, yep. and you're going through and doing all of this. Um, all of this that you're learning, are you applying it to your live, what you're doing at that time? Or is this just like your arsenal, you're building up your skill center, you're building up, and then you go and you feel like you're dumbing down nah, nah, your so advancements when you're playing live? Or how how'd that, how'd that work for you? So, no bands. Um I was in a uh, band early on, like as a you know right off the bat, I was in a band called Hard Colors, rock band, 
you know, a couple of parties, uh, wrote, wrote, actually wrote 10 songs. They were pretty, they were pretty fun. They're all lost to history. They're yeah. all gone now. I, so yeah. many. Right. Songs. So many. Um, they're with the socks. They're with the socks. Um, but, uh, and then there was a huge career marriage lull where I didn't, I played music, but I was a closet player and I didn't play with anybody. There was yeah. no interaction, right? It was, it was Splinter Throne that did everything for They me. brought you that, in. That's what got me out. Good. Uh, but uh, How'd you find him? Um, oh, that's probably Craigslist ad. Looking for a bass player. So I had just got out and I'm like, I was in a band. It wasn't working out so well. Um, wasn't, 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 wasn't what I was looking for. And then I was in another band. I'm like, ah, it's not working so well. Kind of that, like, almost like dating, right? It's like early dating, right? And so, and so I'm dating. And then, but then Brian Garrison, good old Garrison, um, he, uh, he had an ad out. And so I tried out for a splintered throne. The name had already existed, drummer long ago, um, first guitar player, and then our singer. Um, and that's kind of where that started. And it was more of a light rock band. Splintered throne started off as a very light rock band. There was not, I mean, heavy was, you know, like a lightweight, the Zeppelin two, and that was about heavy as heavy, right? That was all we had. Sure. Um, that was our first album. Um, but, but it kind of got me. This is post divorce, you know, out, you know, doing life stuff, realizing that hey, life exists beyond relationships and all this stuff. Fuck yeah, you know, right? And so, you know, and then and then Splinter Throne just kind of, I just stuck out with that band. I got fired a couple times. Uh, lots of stories about that fun stuff. Um, I love that. But the band's getting back together and we need so, bass. So okay, so of you so right now, under the banner name Splintered Throne, who's the longest tenured me- member? I, it's it, me it's my band. I'm it. They hired a bass player fifteen years ago and I'm the only one left. <laughs> yeah. I fucking that, love that. You know, who I would not have expected this of myself ever. I mean really right i mean in, in a rock band with seven albums out right and i'm yet and here i am the veteran member yet i this is a little bass player sitting in the corner over here i don't sing i just kind of do my thing and and yet i'm the last one standing but it's okay though right because bands go through these evolutions um so brian garrison is doing amazing stuff yeah. in seattle his yacht rock band <laughs> uh point of sale is is so good. So you are Steve Harris. Well, that's my. I always feel that's my role. Yeah, you are Steve Harris. Yep, yep. Of course you are. Yeah, I mean, the parallel is an understatement. He didn't found Iron Maiden. Oh, I don't know this. He. You may have I, he, history on this. I, I'm pretty sure Steve Harris. It, I could be wrong. It, my legend goes: Steve Harris joined an uh, an ad. For a band, they, f- I guess he, he did form, but it was an ad call to form a band. Mm-hmm. He, he answered an ad call. Iron Maiden was founded, joined. I don't know if the name existed before him or not. And then through everybody, through all of time, he is the only <laughs> member yeah, yeah. from, from the beginning that's existed. Though I, I have to say, though, our current lineup has been around for quite a long time. Yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when uh, you know when the original, you know, we had it was us, always a random drummer, 
Um, though Yves, Yves was with us for a couple of years and he had a couple of albums out. He's still out in communities. So shout out to Yves. Um, uh, but other than that, it was random drummers. And then Jonathan. Jonathan, I guess, is back out there. I heard that he's playing with, he's out there playing. Um, and, uh, so good for him. uh, Slosher. So, I uh, hope he's doing good stuff. Um, and then there was Garrison and, and then me, right? And then when that whole blew up, um, then it was like, all right, we're getting the band back together. And that's when Jason Moser came out in the picture. And that guy, oh, I'm coming. Right. Moser's that guy, great. Oh my God. Right. You know, the rock well, and roll. He's, he's, a, just, he's just he's a metal a, guy he's through a and monster. through. Right? I am so, oh my God, fortunate to surround myself with these people of this caliber because it just, all it does is bring you up to their level, right? And this that's, is the that's, whole idea, that right? is a 100% how I felt joining Earth to Ashes. Well, surround yourself by greatness and you will get to that level, right? Yeah. So, oh my God. And then we got Lisa, man. Oh my God. She's in Germany right now. Freaking rocking it in Germany. Literally a professional musician joined our band as a singer. Yeah. She's Just, playing bass in Germany right now. Yeah, because she's a way better bass player than I am. Okay, she's so let so, me tell you how so, weird this is. She's so good. I play bass in a band with three bass players. All of them just Mosier. phenomenal. Mosier's a great Mosier's bass player. Mosier's a great bass. Lisa's a professional bass player. And I show up. I'm like a. I'm like when you show up at the piano recital. I practice before I show up to practice just to make sure that I don't have any of those guys looking at me like, Sup, Bailey? <laughs> it's really pressure, dude. Is it really? It is because they're they're like really good players, right? Yeah. And it makes me feel like that if I sew up and slouch, that I'm not holding my own, right? This and that is, means practice. That means dedication. This is so. F- uh. Did I hit a string? Heartstring here? You, you are precisely explaining my my reaction with, with Earth to Ashes. Because bef- ev- my entire music experience before them has been in my bands. I've always been like, hey, we should start a band. I was a guitar player first. I played, I, I cut my teeth. To get in, I, I wanted to be James Hetfield. That's who I wanted to be. I, I made sure I had a good fast down pick attack and I could just pick everything and every riff I ever wanted to. And then people for a, guys for a cover band doing like pop songs and, and, you know, John Mayer and dispatch and, and, uh, whatever random song, um, needed a, needed another member in the band. It was acoustic guitar and congas. I started as a second guitar and then they're like, we need bass here. And so I'm like, okay, well I can play bass, I guess. And so I bought my blue, the blue Yamaha I play, which is downstairs in our practice spot. Um, I bought from my brother. My brother's the, one of the best bass players I've ever met in my, I mean, my brother's a phenom, but, Closet bass player lives in Alaska still has a wonderful family and he was in a band for a while ago but he's just he's on another level Mu- music minded level like he <laughs> he's a musician and bass is his primary output 
of music. I'm a bass player. I'm not a musician. You know, I, I understand music. I understand music, but I'm not, I don't have that brain that some people just have. And I can't explain as a veteran musician, bass, you know, just a bass player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what was I, where was I going with that? I had a point, Rusty. Oh, got my bass. Okay. Yeah. And that, that was my thing. I, I joined a cover band as a bass player, learning all these other people's songs. And then finally it's like, Hey guys, we could, let's write Like we have some originals. Our singer has some originals. We learned some of those. We ended up becoming a hard rock band out of that went full electric and then it just turned into my band. And that's why we moved to Portland because we had a band called fighting silence and we moved here a decade ago to go like, Hey, let's, not be in Alaska and let's do real shit with music. And we came here and played a lot of cool shows and, you know, bands break up, man. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. People lives change, especially when you're in your early twenties. Oh, sure. Like how could you expect anybody to want to like devote life to a dream at that time uh, to be crazy enough to, I am, I'm still, <laughs> I'm, but I can't. You can't expect everybody to be that crazy. Yeah, I. It's funny. I the the musical dream, right? Of becoming a, a rock star, you know, because it starts when you're twenty. It starts in your teens and your twenties. Fuck yeah, it does. Um, I've been watching a band for the last decade. They had the backing from the best. They had the best musicians, really good songs, and just this last year, they all hung it up. This is a band that's been to Germany. It's a band that's been around the world and played 300 gigs a year, right? They did everything they needed to do, and yet it's still, it, the, 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 getting the Metallica moment is hard. It's, it's random, and it's, how it, do you become the warning? I mean, yeah. versus how do you become every other band out there that is just as good, but not the warning? So right. where do you, it's like it's a crapshoot, and and some people well is- that th- this is this is where I think the actual the actual nuts hit the road is there is this anecdotally talked about dream of being a rock star. There is the work that's meant to be put into it to maybe get the shot to be seen to hit some sort of level on a wave that is already existing and you fall into it you you know most of the time you have to keep doing the hard work but society's momentum is the carrying force under it what separates every one of those people from the people still doing it today metallica is only still musicians today because they want to be not because the beast is not too big to quit or anything else. Those fuckers, I, Bruce Dickinson is still doing Iron Maidens after throat cancer because something in him won't let him quit. That's the only, that is, I can't think of the, they have more money than they need. They have more fame than they need. They have, 
no one will ever not know Bruce Dickinson's name. No one will ever know not James Hetfield's name. Think of, you know, think of the, the impact into society that any one of anybody we could name names, but they still do it. They still do that. They still lug. Well, they're not lugging their gear per se, but they're still showing up before gig time. They're doing sound checks. They're doing all of that. They're the rigmarole, the runaround, the they're waiting. Still doing the work. Yeah. Why? Right? Why do we not famous still do the work? My my honest belief is because we wouldn't we because I'll speak for myself. If I didn't come home and have music to participate in and I was only an observer of it and not a participator in it, if I didn't have something to let out physical stress, mental stress, creative stress, emotional stress, and turn it into turn it into a sensation that only one, maybe two, but only one true sensory experience for ourselves can reel it in. It's hearing some feeling, some vibration deal. We're going to pee and then I'm going to come back and continue talking about this because I think it's important. We're going to go to another commercial break. Let's hit this hey jason and i suck at heartfelt shit but y'all are some bad man pajamas out there when things feel bleak throughout our week we think about time and stuff the positivity from our guests sharing their passions and listener interaction has been eye-opening time and stuff when life is a little dry and itchy and you just can't quite bless the rains down in africa remember us Stuff. When you've been rocking and a rolling, rocking and a reeling, but Barbara Ann still won't take your hand. When McDonald's decides that you're gonna have it their way today, and long after Subway isn't fresh, when you're on Hoth and the call comes down that the ATATs have landed, and you know it's cold as balls outside, you gotta pick yourself up, go out, climb in that snow speeder, and take down those four-legged bastards. When you get knocked down, get up again, they're never gonna keep you down. No matter what the song, put on those red shoes and dance. Time and stuff. We'll be singing when we're winning. Time, 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 stuff, stuff. stuff. Okay, um, <laughs> let me get to new music in just a second. So I guess to round out my actual point, would be to say that whether we act, whether we can recognize it in ourselves or not, the people that push through all of the hard work, all of the practice, all of the dedication, all of the enjoyment, all of every part that comes to being a gigging, working musician, whether you're famous or not, whether you call yourself a professional or not, the people that stick it out for decades have to i don't think that there's an option not to i don't think we would feel i think if we're all real with ourselves and we had to imagine a, a year going by five years going by 10 years going by and you never touching an instrument ever 
to never again play once would would seem like a life less worth living than the one where I'm struggling, but I still get to play. What a waste. All this effort and then not play no more. Right. I, I, if, I, if I you totally agree, if, I agree with If you. you didn't feel that, you would do it for a decade and then quit and not care. And and it would be it would be a job. It would be a a quick passion. It would be something that as a hobby, whatever you want to call it, it it would to me the people that can play can do something can even be fucking good at it and then just stop and never do it again. Have you, when was the last time you touched your guitar? Man, I don't know, 10, 15 years. I, I'm good. Like, okay, well, I understand. You, you were a natural, but you didn't ever. You, you were never. You never cared about it or. It never, music, to me, it's crazy. How Rush makes me feel, how any of those songs made me made me feel the first time I heard it, make me feel still when I hear it now. I can't imagine music has ever made those people feel that way. Because there's a, there's a, there's a true like physical experience to it that then if you can sit there with your own instrument and replicate that, you can... Like how it's the ultimate drug, man. It 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 feels like a strange obligation. It's like I can, yes. I can, therefore I must, and you can't question me, and I will do this show because I I must do this show. It doesn't matter how much of a burden or how much work it is. I'm, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this show. <laughs> a strange so, obligation. Gotta do this. That is the most brilliant phrasing I've ever heard. It put into work a. It 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 is a. That's what this episode is going to be called: a strange obligation. obligation. We're musicians. It's what we do. I. Yeah. You would ask, you know, what, you know, what, what, you know, what would you do if you, you know, would you give this up? You know, could you ever give this up? Well, no, because like you said, it's an obligation. And I, I've told my friends that I'm a player, and I got a show coming up, and show up to my damn show. Right? Yeah. I haven't spent. 30 years playing bass to not play bass anymore. Right. That's a bunch of shit. You know, if anything, do more. I want to do more. Um, yeah. We should get to the point to where that's what we do is, uh, is, is play music, man. Agreed. Ooh, agreed. Um, discovering new music right. is a tricky, tricky thing. Oh, yeah, right. So I use two, two forms of finding new music. Pandora. Okay. Random and Spotify. I, I I put on Spotify Metal yesterday, and I heard a bunch of stuff. A couple of it was okay. So here's so here's what I'll do. I use Pandora a lot because they have a really good shuffle feature that is far superior to uh, to um to fucking Spotify. Thank you. Um, and so here's what I'll do. I know I like Rush. And so I will find a song that I like of theirs and create a mix playlist that is generated by Pandora off of that song. And it'll play me a lot of other stuff. And if I hear a song I like from a band I don't know, and I go, that was a fucking good song, I will then create an entire new playlist off of that song. And so now I've found a band I didn't know with a song I like. Now they have a lot of algorithmically connected bands to them. 
And then I will just jam that playlist for a long time. And then you find bands you like. And then, and then like the biggest one I'm on lately is Caligula's Horse. I've been on them for years now. And, and they're, they're an Australian prog band. And they are just, they give me the same type of goosebumps that Russian Primus give me. Because they're creating music that doesn't fit any real category of mainstream music. It is entirely what they want to be creating. And they're not holding to any convention that's like feels modern. It's, it's really interesting. Um, their recordings are wonderful. They, none of it's compressed. So they litter on their tracks. They have literal volume swells of the track, not just, I mean, the, the waveforms. When they go to a low part, the waveform gets quiet and then it gets loud. You're not just watching a block of sound and they die down the instruments, but the drums are still just as loud or there. It is, it is interesting. And so through them, I find a, I mean, it's just an exploration thing. And here's the honest truth. Most new bands I find don't hit. And that's fine because I have a thousand bands I love and their music is still just as good to me. And yeah, their songs are 20 or 30 years old. I could give a fuck less. I get, I still get as much meaning from hearing a key change in a Stevie Wonder song or <laughs> ABBA or what, what pick the album to <laughs> pick the song, man. Old Steppenwolf tune or something. Guess who or something? I don't know. I get that. Exactly. Uh, Grand Funk Railroad. Yeah. Give me some old, Grand Funk. Old old school rock and roll is always going to be it. You it know? And there's there, plenty of bands that I I didn't ever really you know delve into. I'm sure. Well, and, and here's the thing. Here's what I find for me now at my at, I, you know I, I think I'm ten years younger than you probably. I don't know how. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm 36. So yeah, I'm 36. I'm a young kid. I know, dude. But I grew up in Alaska and what I th- what I what I tell people is I'm actually because we were 5 years behind, I'm 5 years older than I really am. So I'm like 41 or 42. I was to say you're like 21 cuz you're 5 years behind. Um yeah, I'm a little older. Um but but we have all of these bands that we love. No. Um, but yeah. you haven't listened to every album they've ever put out sure. so for a I, lot of the bands. Absolutely. I, other than Rush, I can't say, and maybe Floyd and Toll, um, I can't say I've heard every album from all those classic bands. And I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of Ozzy out there and there's a lot of Sabbath out there. There's all that stuff. But but if you want to stay current, right, you're looking at more, you know, more, you know, 2022 stuff is how do you keep up with what the new stuff and, and how do you listen to something and go, all right, that's the next thing to really latch on to. Um, it's, I've been having a hard time with that. I would say it's, it's, it's social media. It's Spotify. It's Pandora. It's YouTube. YouTube um, is for me. It's the video and then the right hand bar, the, the big old, you know, uh, sunk sink. Yeah. Uh, for until you right. finally find that one, you're like, oh my God, who are these people? For me, I'm still, from how I was raised, from how my brain works, whatever, I could give a fuck less about videos. I know they're important. I know they matter now. I want to hear your song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to sit sure. there. You, you know, 
I I'll put on YouTube and minimize the window and just sit here. Sure, it's, it's just what is it you got? You got YouTube's a good avenue that they can get their yeah, music out, yeah, especially if it's yeah. rare. But I know. I you know I here's where I'm really at is as far as the type of mu- what I'm trying to discover for myself is where I want my playing to go. I I, I the music I care about discovering. I want to feel like music I want to play. Yeah. I want it to feel like something that I wish I was involved in, not just new music that's contemporary and popular. I could give a fuck if I don't, if I wouldn't go, I want to learn that riff. I could give a fuck if I ever care or know about that band. Yeah. There's not a lot of Taylor Swift songs that I I actually want to play. Uh, You're right. It's, I allow listen to music that I, that I'm trying to emulate, that I would want to listen to that bass line or the melody and go, oh, yeah, that's what I am looking for. Let me emulate that. That is what I'm looking for. Right. Right. And so you're you're a need, you're needle in a haystacking it. Yeah. We all are. Yeah. You listen to the song and you go, oh, that's a cool little riff. What if I change the key and invert it and then put it over here? I could make that my leg. <laughs> or yeah. I could just straight take it. I mean – yeah. It's what musicians do, people. This realize licks or licks. As long as you don't copy their fucking melody line. Just, what do they say? Uh, Black Sabbath wrote every metal line ever. Everybody else is doing it slower, faster, or upside down. Deal with it. Yeah. Tony Iommi is the they riff are, god. Yeah. They already wrote it. It's already written. We're just faking it. They're copying it. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Them or Zeppelin. Yeah. No, I... I so, so, uh, music, speaking of music, so Splinter Throne, we're looking at, um, we're looking at our eighth album. Um, wow. I'm going to declare that right now, and I'm the only one in the band, um, that's doing that, but it's since it's, you know, I'm the, you know, we are the general, main member, and, well, you we're know, the generals of the my armies, band. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so we're, uh, so we're promoting our, our last album. Um, which is fabulous, by thank, the way. Thank you very much. N- With Lisa as the helm, yeah. we're looking forward to, the album, the next album, which will have a little bit more, um, I would say, writing collaboration from everybody. Um, the way last album was was a little bit more, you know, disoriented with uh, with Brian leaving, Lisa coming on, and then Matt coming on a little bit later after the core songs were written. So there wasn't as much collaboration. So now we're looking at eighth album with like, all right, here's what we got. Who wants to change what? And so now we're going to have a little bit more influence from everybody. And we all got some great, we all got some great ideas, Are you right? Feeling stoked about yeah, it? Yeah, we're pretty happy. I'm Good. looking at this as the, I want this to be kind of the junk box album. I want a prog. I want a Japanese version, you know, rock song. I want a, uh, let's see, we got some thrash metal. That's guaranteed with, with, yeah. with Jason. Um, you know, Chris is looking at some more, you know, proggy ish stuff. Um, so we're trying to look at if we had like do concept album, what if we could write a, you know, Zep clone song? Let's, what if we wrote a, one of these? You know, what if we wrote a, one of those? Because we kind of get stuck. What are what's the new album supposed to sound like, right? What right. I don't know. Is there a theme? Do we need to make it a theme? What if it was a little bit more eclectic? Mm. Led Zeppelin three sort of stuff, right? It was like, whoa, where did that song come from? That's kind of what I would like to do, right? Yeah. Um, I listen to a lot of chaos rock. Oh, so yeah. Japanese metal, some Japanese metal is full Amazing. on Amazing. Full on 
it's called Chaos Rock is is all the best as I could get to it. Because you're trying to figure out what holds everything together. And you still not – it's not the bass and it's not the drums. So you're like, what is holding this song together? Um, it's just a way that they write some of their tunes. And I would love to write a, a band-made um, song or a, a Gacheric Spin song like that. That's what I mean by a, a Japanese metal song. Yeah, yeah, that's – Wow, that yeah, that's a that's a that's a very ambitious outlook. Um, but there's there's total freedom in it. Uh, I that's kind of how we write. We we will just. I hear that. I hear that in what you play on stage, which just blows my mind. You're you're. <laughs> I'm, I like the the path that your songs take and sometimes it diverges and it comes back that that is what dr- i love that i well uh, complicated music it's a little bit more complicated yeah you know i feel like you know when i joined the band they were already established they already had all their songs that fans liked you know and i came in with a different style of playing than angelo played I have I have a completely different ear for where bass how a bass should sound in a song, you know. And so, with all the old songs, I really try. I listen to, I listen to the shit out of those records, and I really try to pay homage to how he wrote those songs. The same way I would learn a Rush song, the same way I would learn. But but with our new stuff, you know, I wanted to really, like you said, the song has to weave. It can't just sound st- n- not every song. Some songs must go verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus out because lyrics are doing the work. But if you have a song where you want the music to do the work and the lyrics to be a- an accompaniment to the music, then you have to think you have to think of the end of the song first. You have to go how how do I want my audience to feel when they get there? How do what 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 path do I really want them to endure to take them to the finish of the song? To take them to the the stamp that we put on the end of it, you know? That that is in every great song when you listen to uh Seventh Son of the Seventh Son. That song, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Take that song. That's a fucking a brilliant song, actually, to to use as a highlight for this. Because in the middle of the song, you're not listening to the same song. On purpose. But they knew, like, the reason that song works and it doesn't feel like 13 minutes is because the entire journey pays off at the end. Every, you bring all of the, the essence of what you wanted to show in at the end, and you, f- you fade all those parts up and in, and, and it, is the paint, it is the finished painting. And then you're going, now, everybody, you have to wash my brush strokes to get here. It's funny you use the Iron Maiden analogy, and you know we both have played these albums so many times through our yeah. our young careers. It's like, oh my god, yeah, right. You listen to how these songs are written, and 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 
you know, at the end being yeah. the, the goal, right? And right. maybe they start from there and they work backwards. It's hard to, hard to say, but. But uh, I, I don't think they work backwards necessarily, but when they're writing their song at some point, and you are never to the, you are already seen. Anybody who's ever sat down and tried to write a song, once ideas start popping and you go, oh, this sounds like a verse. Oh, yeah. Okay. We move into here. Here's a chorus. And you're thinking about the, all of a sudden, you're seeing the rest of the song. It happens. It happens to your brain. Yeah. Uh, it's a it, feng shui moment. It is. Yeah. That's the. It happens every time. And so I feel that in that moment, when ideas are coming together and this thing's starting to happen, as soon as you see a goal, as soon as you have a res- a resolution moment that you feel is powerful, you have to then be willing to go back to the beginning of the song and start repainting that painting from the beginning again. Because you've done the groundwork, you've laid the foundation, you've put on the primary colors, you've done some basic background blending. Now you go, oh, the moon's going to go here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Editing. You got to edit. You have to edit. Yeah, you got to edit. But it has to be purposeful. You have to be willing to change like literal parts because a build will sound better because this resolution here only works if you never hit this chord in the first verse. Oh, no, or, I, I, yeah, right. I, I totally picture this because the writing of this writing in songs live yeah. is actually pretty an, an amazing uh, thing to watch happen, right? Um Generally, so for me, I don't write songs. I am horrible at it. I mm. do not write songs. I edit songs. Mm. When someone, mostly Jason, yeah, when he comes up with the that, and someone puts that in together, and they put it, you know, in a line, and now you got eight measures of whatever. That's when it's like, whoa, 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 whoa! Here, no, no, no. Here's what you need to do. You need to take that, move this here over there. And then that will cause the this. Yeah. And so I'm, so I always feel like my role is stop what you do, edit, do it this way versus actually creating the content. That's always seems to have been my role is that figuring out what feels just the right. I want to ask you a real question here. This is completely separate from, have you ever written a song for you? No. No. I tried. I I tried once. Did you finish it? No. No. I got lyrics. Try and compose I, a song. All right. I, I because I I think it is something that we overlook as bass players is composition. Bass players in general will overlook full song composition because you're coming at it knowing the song needs bass. This was my this was how I thought for 10 or 15 years you're coming out going okay the song needs bass they're playing these chords already yeah that's ours you know they're already playing these chords so here's what we have how do you weave through that right we either have the option to highlight their chords or establish melody we the those are our options we're we're tied in with the drums yeah, and, sec- dur- and with- second option is way harder. <laughs> right, right. So then the thing is, okay, well, what if you're highlighting chords and establishing melody? 
Well, that's even harder. But it's 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 actually easier. Yeah, because if you if you play if like I have a I have a a rule when we're starting a riff for the most part unless we plan on this riff being a duel like we we unless we go we're going to mirror each other I will never play the root note of the chord on my first note I play of a section start there give yourself the rule on any time a new rev- revision of a riff, a section starts, and they go down to that fucking E, because they're doing E chugs and then a riff, I am never going to play an open E. It, and exactly. Well, and this is the whole, I think, the concept of, of chaos rock in the first place, is right. that the expectation that, that you were just mirroring what the, the guitar chorus or what the guitar keys are versus you creating your own landscape back there um that's kind of that's the hard part that that is the well or and or that's the music that's the magic that's is when you can get that to meld with what they're doing now you know you're not just doing a not to break acdc but you all wrote 13 albums they all sound the same oh Um, but no i don't want that's not what i want i want something that's uh, not that when you say AC, here's the most beautiful thing about ACDC. This came from me doing what we talked about earlier is going, yeah, I'm familiar with ACDC, but I've never listened to all of their music. They're <laughs> Bon Scott, or sorry, 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 my bad. Angus Young, the rhythm guitar, the lead guitar player, schoolboy, jumps around on stage. Him and the drummer are what everybody says what acdc is ah you're four on the floor simple root note it's angus young and the drummer larry young or (laughs) not larry but whatever angus's brother is the other guitar player and the bass player are the reason they sound like songs angus will go to he'll be playing a one four five, and the other guys are going dun 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 dun, and they're they're doing this wonderful counterpointal music behind this blaring schoolboy and a fucking but, Face but, player's doing his job is what well, he's doing. But he's never playing root notes. He's giving them thirds. He's giving them fifths. He's filling out the chords. The 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 rhythm guitar player, the Angus's brother, is doing all of the counterpoint chords of Angus's root chords. And and that's why us they sound like songs, not just bass. Or not, not just a, a blues band or a, a, a staple rock band. It, it, you know, and it's, it's those intricacies that I only ever picked out once I actually went back and listened to their music. Well, it's nuance, right? Um, yeah. When, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I cover band, lots of, lots of, lots of players are in cover bands, right? We look at 
you know, when we play songs, we're like going, what makes this song good? And you listen, it's like, oh, holy crap. That's why, that's why this is a little tweak in here. That's really what, it's not simplistic. And I don't mean to think that, uh, you know, I don't even think that, that you know, ACD is simplistic music. It's not. It's a 4-4. It has nothing to do with that. It's that, but it's that. Pocket. I mean, the it's a pocket and own quote from ACDC themselves. They got upset that somebody said that ACDC sucks. They only played, you know, 12 albums and they all sound the same. And Angus gets on there and says, I find offense to that. We have written 13 albums that all sound the same. And that's okay because what their sound is great, right? But it's not, it's not Rush. It's not complex in the sense that it's chaos rock. It's not... You know, it, it's not dream theater. It's but, not but, that sort of music. But it's here more is, here pocket is, stuff. Here is the big thing. You take any lay musician who's been playing guitar for a year or two years, or I bet you even five years, and say, hey, count the intro and when your guitar should come in on Hell's Bells. Oh, God. Count that intro. And tell me on what beat your guitar should come in on Hell's Bells, and they will not be able to do it. <laughs> tell, go, hey, fool in the rain, Led Zeppelin, <laughs> you go and tell me when your guitar should start. No, on that. I, so, I, I tell, and, and, again, cover thing. You're like going, how do they do that, dude? You got to count. Listen to them. You have to count. It's, it sounds that good because it's special. It's going on a seven. Yeah. Not on an eight. <laughs> yeah, they come in on the and. Yeah, they come on the and. You know, I totally get. Uh, we're doing some uh, some stones. So haven't spent a long time doing a lot of stones. Not something I was really ever, you know, yeah. big into. Yeah. Great, but they're great cover tunes. Sure, they except are. they kind of have some alternate tuning and some weird shit. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, we're learning a tune, and we're like one, two, three, four, five, go. What the fuck? And so I had to tell the band, okay. I will count it out. Listen to me because that's why we're fucking it up every single time because it's an alternate counting. They're going on a six. Don't know why. It's because of the stones. <laughs> yeah. It, the same reason that uh, 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 Keith Richards would play his guitar in open G tuning with only five strings on it because open G tuning, he could just play bar chords and they're all power chords. He could do all those cool, weird sevenths and, and all those things, but, and he never had that weird low E drone. Yeah. yeah. And, and we don't actually do a lot of Rolling Stones because of that. <laughs> so we do a few that we can emulate, you know, Jumpy Jack. Do you guys, do you guys cover like any who? Uh, wish we did. You should. Oh, we totally should. You should, even if you don't cover who. Some doors sometimes. You should listen to John Entwistle. Oh yeah! Oh, oh yeah! Because that great, dude great, is another oh, yeah. another foundational bass player for my ear. Yeah, Anderson. Um, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, yes. Um, oh, Chris Squire. Squire. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Him too. Well, um, though, yeah. you know, you know, between Chris Squire and th there are there are two bass players in my musical bass catalog of of loving and, and listening and enveloping these players th that give me the reason why i never will not play with a pick on bass i get i i get shit given sometimes like i can't play with my fingers i at all i uh, i just can't hold a pick it just falls out of my hand 
<laughs> literally, I literally, I try and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm playing with my fingers. Yeah, yeah, no, no. See, uh, I was a guitar player first and I, I did, I, I spent so much time getting my pick hand down that I already had all of the, the hand coordination between my two hands and my brain. And, and Chris Squire played with a pick. Every Yes album you hear, he's playing with a pick. Everyone. Steve Harris plays with his fingers. Sure. <laughs> Jason Newstead. He could play everything that James played behind him, matching on his bass. Everything James played, Jason Newstead could play behind him on his bass. And with just a pick. And, and well, it's for me, it's going... You don't need to play with your fingers to no, be a bass you player. Could, you could do both. That's fine. My favorite bass player plays both at the same time. Oh, yeah. She takes her pick and she stashes it in her hand and then she plays with her fingers and pops and snaps and then she pulls it back her pick out and everybody stands there and looks at her and goes, what the fuck? Um, because there are very few people that can actually do that. Yeah. Pretty cool. Misa, her name is Misa. Uh, Y'all should listen to Bandmade. They're really good. Hell yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's I think the most beautiful thing about it is 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 if you want to be really real, you can just do whatever the fuck you want. That's what's nice about a bass. Bass has got that more it's a little bit more forgiving on your however you pluck the strings is you know how who you are. It's fine. I, I don't look at a bass. Player and go. Oh, you play with a pick. You suck. Who says that? Nobody says that at all. Go for it, man. You play that pick. You play the fuck out of that bass, man. I want to hear. I want to hear your passion. I want to see your face. I want to see that you're happy on stage. Yeah. You know, when I watch you guys play on stage, what do I see? I see a bunch of joy on stage, man. You guys bouncing up and down, and we feel that as an audience, right? Same. And so, I think pick or finger is just like. There is nothing better. There is nothing better than being a musician, watching a band playing, and you because because not only am I listening to the music, I'm watching them, right? <laughs> and and then you and then you you as a musician that general audience members don't catch or understand truly is when you see like someone playing, they get to a part, and then everybody looks at each other and smiles to each other after something happens. You go. They they're happy with each other, right? They yeah, just yeah. they just nailed a part, yeah. or something happens, and all of a sudden a head turns around and looks at the drummer, like on you know, and you're watching that happen. Yeah. You're like, he wasn't expecting that cymbal hit, or yeah, he that was me. Yeah, it's yeah. like what the fuck? What'd you do? I fucked up. Sorry. Or, or when you <laughs> when you're playing, something happens, and you look over, and you just see one guy just start laughing. You're like, okay, a joke just happened. Yeah. They have a joke between them yeah. musically. Something just set that off. Yeah. 99% of the audience will have no idea anything has happened, but the select few will realize that, yeah, we fucked that up. <laughs> Sorry about that. Do you have, um, do you have anxiety about playing? Do you, oh, do you, hell yeah. Do you, I'm horrible. Okay, it me too. It sucks so bad. Me too. Um, do you I, have, a, do you have a routine that you do to get yourself in the headspace before you get on stage? Yeah, I try to find dry concrete or sand with my hands because my hands get sweaty. Um, and it's rare that I actually play a flawless show and it sucks because it's, I'm a meme. I'm literally a meme. If I'm at home, I will play my slet, my set flawlessly over and over again. 
put me in front of three people, gonna fuck up six times. Just the way it is. I'm sorry, I'm a better bass player than that. Do you? Let me ask you this: Do you, Do you feel like Brian on stage? I'm getting better. So this last couple of uh, tours, I think I'm. Be- I am not Brian on stage. I am metal Brian on stage. I am bass player Brian. Do you feel? Do, do you have? I just the ex- makes mistakes a couple of times. Do you have the experience of putting a mask on before you get on stage? Like, like, do you, do you, do? Because, because for me, I have I I have uh, imposter syndrome really really bad. I spend a lot of my time in a constant. I constantly feel like. I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe that I'm included in this group and I'm at constant I'm I'm at constant like watch that someone's going to come in and go fraud and point me out and go look he doesn't like he doesn't actually belong here. He's been swindling us the whole time his medicine doesn't work and then like i'm 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 at constant fear of that we were talking about it earlier like joining these guys made me go oh shit i have a level of musicianship that i have to now keep up with i have it's it's stress it not only just like learning my parts and writing a good part right because they will come with ideas for a song that just blow my brain apart. And I go, okay, like I, I, I come, I just, I need to write, I need to write something good. Like, you know, I constantly am, am feel, and then when I get on stage, I go, I can't let, I can't let the audience be aware that I'm worried about anything. I can't let them be aware that I feel I don't belong here. I can't let them be aware that, um, I can't let them be aware that I'm on my first song and I'm thinking about that part in the third song that I always have trouble with. And I'm shitting my bricks until I get to that part. I'm going to fuck that part up because I've been thinking about it the entire set. And then the rest of the set, I'm going, I can't believe I fucked that part up. And to hide all of that, I do I do a routine. I get in there. I start warming my hands up. Get Well, I do that even though I play like that. I still do that. Um, slap at the bass, you know. Um, I wiggled my fingers for all you out there who can't see in this room, which is none of you. <laughs> I, uh, I wiggled my fingers like I'm finger pl- 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 plucking a base when I don't do that. Um, I, I have a literal thing of like, I, I, I talk to myself and I go, okay, you're about to get on stage. You got to go out there. You got to be, you got to present as flawless. You have to present as secure. You have to present as, uh, uh, present. You know, a lot of time I'm in my head, even if I'm looking out, my uh, pretending I'm look my I'm in my head. I'm not immediately present. I'm thinking about something that just happened, something that's coming up. Did I leave my burner on? <laughs> you, you know, you, you're in the groove. You know your parts. There are times when you're not thinking about what you're playing. You're kind of like 
analyzing the situation. You're not always immediately present. And I tell myself, I just have to pretend that. And I, I, I do. I put a mask on. I go, this is stage Aaron. This is not the me who's sitting here talking to you. I'm, I'm a different person when I'm on stage for security, for my own protection, for uh, image, you know, all of that stuff. Um, it's weird. It it's, it's actually really refreshing to hear a fellow musician talk about it in this way because I feel a lot of that myself. Um, at least I, I think I used to. I, I think I'm getting better. I think we get better at it. Right? We do. Right? Yeah. We do get better of at course. it. Of course. Because through experience and through times and stress or, and realizing that you fucked a licked up and who gives a shit? You're rocking the fuck out of the show. So who cares? You know, it really comes down to it's our own personal insecurities and realizing that we can't give a fuck because we're out here doing a service and that service is rock and roll yeah. and these guys. And so I am getting better at this. And I, I would have to say I may actually be turning a, a point here. Um, really? I had I had a rock and roll moment. Can I tell you about my rock and roll moment? Oh, my God. I would love to hear it. I right? would love so to I got hear a rock and roll it. moment. So these don't happen all that often. We wish they did, but it doesn't happen all that often. So – we're on tour and we end up in uh, the far, you know, eastern uh, reaches of uh, Idaho. And we're in this bar. And, um, you know, when you go on tour and you play a lot of the shows, you, I just hate to say it, but, you know, um, you literally hear the same song written by three different bands. Yeah. It's the same song. Dung, 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 dung. Like, okay, uh, what do you got here? You're right. And so that's fine. It's metal and you're listening and you're, yeah. you're appreciative and good job doing your thing. This is good. Get out there and do your thing. And so we're in this bar and uh, we're second to last and we're listening to a lot of stuff. Um, we enjoyed uh, Jay Space Lager. They were really good. And we're going to play a tour with them up in Idaho again, I think, because they were great. But we get to the end of the night and, and we're on stage. And the place is kind of diffuse, um, which is the metal scene, right? And we hit our first three chords and the entire place turned around and freaking looked at us. And then they all just stared at us and they all started getting closer. And the cook comes out of the kitchen and says, well, I was going to go home, but what the fuck is this? And they all showed up. And so within 300 meters of this place, they all showed up in front of us. And we said, no, y'all need to go raw, raw, raw. And for 40 minutes, we like lit these people's faces on fire and they just stared at us. And I'm sitting on stage going, I have literal goosebumps. I'm right like, now. Oh, Look yeah. at my arm. I, I literally had I, goosebumps. Uh, and I actually played pretty flawless that night. That was a pretty good night. Uh, we're freaking ripping. And, they're and you know, Lisa's, what? She's just freaking belting it. And we get done. And and the merch line is like a line. I think we got <laughs> a all real their, line. We actually got all their money. That was all. They had to spot all their stuff. Um, and that was cool. And a guy comes up and goes, fuck you. We got to follow you. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm sorry, bro. Big hug, bro. <laughs> and, and it was the most heartfelt fuck you. We have to follow you ever. And the faces, it was just like, oh, my God. It was like metal had arrived to this place, right? And I got up there and, and people were like, they were, they were happy. I shook hands. I hugged people. 
they were really happy that we played there. And it was well, like And it shows what their attention was like to things they had always already heard. They were right? like, Oh my god, we're who are you guys? And we're like, it felt like all the effort, all the practice, all of the songwriting, all of the performance. We came out there and these guys appreciated what we did versus junk, 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 junk. You know, um, yeah, it dude. felt heartfelt. And uh, I felt a little bit of my anxiety drift away that day. That's amazing. You know, Aaron, you're a rocker. We're freaking rock. When we get on stage, think about how many other people. Oh. How many other people are doing that? Like, none. Because this is a rare thing, right? We're performing in front of people. I, I have, a, I have, I, I really try to fight my bias on this. I, I think because of, um, uh, inundation or like an, an observer bias, I, I go, no, a lot of people do this because I know a lot of fucking musicians. Because all of your friends are musicians, dude. Yeah. Just like me. That is not the general population. No, I, 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 have, I know. I know. You, you're, what you're doing is you're highlighting like against my bias because I go, no, everybody does this. But, but you're right. Nobody does this. <laughs> Just, I mean, come on. How many bass players in Portland? What? A thousand? Not even. Out of, I, what, I would a million bet, people. Come on, how many? no, I would bet not even uh, actual gig ready bass players. Yeah, because we all know them. Yeah, we this know is them all. Portland, it's a city bicycle. Yeah, everybody no, we, rides. We all know the same drummers. We all know the same guitar players. We yep. could name them. We won't. Um, but Portland is a very small, incestuous, particularly metal. Yes, right. You know, when you look at, I mean, when you get other genres, which I have great blues about, scene here. Oh yeah, well great. Great blues and, scene. Not in jazz that. scene. Yeah. Um, and that's probably even bigger. But when you're looking at just straight metal, we know who the players are, and there's about twenty of us. Yeah. It's the same guys in the same bands over and over again. Right. Same thing with the covers. Yep. Yeah, no, it's not a lot. So so you're rare. You're a peak you're a unicorn, man. You're a peak. Yeah, I'm not even on the height scale. <laughs> I'm so rare. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that, you know, getting in your head, you're right. You know, I'm not nice it's, to myself in my head. No, and no. we all need to work on that. We should be nicer to ourselves. We are accomplished people. We put the effort in. Well, I think it's the context. The context that you just uh, inundated me with of the rarity of this um, is something that I ought to remind myself of more, right? Um, it feels weird because then it feels like you're wanting to toot your horn. Like I've always felt weird about uh, being there's there there's a a stigma about being cocky, right? And and I always feel that if I'm to go, yeah, I guess I am like in a rare pocket of this, or maybe you know give myself a compliment amongst a group not not an individual compliment but to recognize to recognize myself as part of a group and then try to set myself apart from the group in a in a in a uh, positive light feels like an asshole thing it it may not be but it feel i i i go and i always err on the side of Nah, I probably shouldn't just compliment myself. Go pat yourself on the back. You deserve it. Do, are, do you are you are are you able to pat yourself on the back? 
I think I'm better at it. It may be my professional role as well. I'm a trainer. I have to be pull out. that a little closer. I I have to be out in front of people. I'm a trainer. It's my job. It's what I do. I'm a leader in various realms. Um, well, and I think you have to portray that. Otherwise, you're not living up to who you are. Oh well, that's the thing. I will tell anybody I'm a fucking great mechanic. My trade. The thing I've devoted as much, if not more, time to than music, like. But you're a bass player. You're also a great bass player. <laughs> I watched you on stage, dude. You give me goosebumps, man. I watch you play, and I'm like, oh fuck, I gotta follow that guy. It's just the same uh, thing. It's just the same thing, right? Okay. Because it's okay. like you know, we measure. Our, it's not, and it's not a fair measurement, and it's not even a competition. It's we measure ourselves. It's not ourselves. a competition. You're right. We measure ourselves against other musicians because we want to be good musicians, and if we yeah. feel that Getty Lee or you, my friend Aaron, are playing wonderfully on stage, that is what I want to feel like too. I want to be that wonderful playing on stage guy, and you portray confidence when you're on stage, and you're doing some pretty complicated shit up there. I can see it. And we all hear it. And it's like, oh, wow, he pulled that off really well. You know, you're sitting up there grinning. And you're looking at Matt and you're all smiling and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This okay. is the confidence that is expected of a practice musician. Right, right. Okay, yeah. I I, will, I, I am allowing myself to accept that. <laughs> Part of my, like, literally, my spine is going like block that out, block that out, karate chop that out of the air as the, that that compliment's coming. But no, I, I, I'm my brain is taking over. My central nervous system will not let me go into defensive mode. You, the point is, I think, is it's not a competition. Comparison doesn't mean you're competing, right? So you can watch. Ev- There's oh yeah, not, yeah. It's it's not competition. It's 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 cl- it's it's appreciation. It's oh yes. my god. I love that. I almost never – something I, 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 I force myself to do. Anytime I'm at a show and I'm watching any other band play that I'm on the bill with or a festival with or whatever, being a bass player, I, I always watch the bass players. That's what we do. I, I And I always try every – I mean every time – no matter the music, no matter whether I think the music, because I can go, the, this music sucks, but that bass player is doing something cool there. Like, the, he is, he's, whether he's just really on time, even if he's not doing anything flashy, but he's on the pocket, I always try to find something that they excel at and then give them the compliment afterwards. Because, I want them because whatever they whatever they showing is the thing they probably practice on the hardest. I know I am. That's how I work. The things that sound the best are the things I practice the hardest on. And if I catch them doing that, they give one good double stop (laughs) that, that is just in that pocket. And I will go up and I will log that and go, man, that second song you played, that double stop you gave, or or that triplet run you did, or anything, that fucking, I caught that. Good, you know. I, I did that up in Idaho, uh, second band. Um, 
music wasn't my favorite, but on their second song, their guitar player came up and became their singer. And he ch totally changed the whole dynamic. And it was like, look at you, bro, man. Look at those chops. He just went up there, sang a guitar song as he's doing his thing at the end of his show. It was like, dude, that was the highlight for me. It was you getting up there and like literally own You're not the lead singer, but you came up there and just owned that for that song. So he was the lead for that song. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but getting you're coming back to performing as, as, as if this is a common thing. It's because it's what we do. Look at karaoke. Right. So already, right, <laughs> okay, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, two yeah. out, you know, five out of ten people won't even do it. Not eat. Oh, right. Oh, you know, seven out of ten. Yeah, people. seven out of ten. And then two of them are, you know, that good anyway. But we love them because, oh my God, you just went up there and sang the crappiest rendition of Nickelback. And I'm going to hug you and buy you a drink for what you just did because that probably was scary as shit. Well, my first experience was karaoke. Yeah. Horrible. I'm not a good singer. And I went up there and did it and it felt like a free of like it was an accomplishment. So when I see karaoke's, man, I am big old hugs. Good for you getting up there, right? Me too. So then you bring it to our level, which is performing music in front of people. That's the next few percentage of people that get that far, right? Again, we're a rarity. We perform for people. We're about we're bards. Yeah. Uh a strange obligation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm so glad that I knew this podcast needed to happen from our conversation in fucking Kelso. I knew this needed to happen because I knew it would come to this. I knew from the weird similarities of extraneous life things that all seemed to match so well, we would sit down and we would have a conversation about insecurity and overcoming that and being kind to ourselves and uh, serving the music, right? Being a bass player isn't the flash job. No, you got to carry the band sometimes. You, you, are, you are. You're doing – you are keeping the drums drums. You are, you are keeping the, 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 the crowd feeling the drum beat, and you are doing the work to make the guitar not seem just like a guitar. It, it's it's fun our role we're like we're like the drill sergeant in the military when everything else is fucking up we're just gonna keep doing we're gonna go bump we're just gonna keep driving it on we're gonna go stare at the drummer and look at him like what the fuck are you doing and then we look over the rest of the you know frosting guitar players and singers they're just frosting on the songs guys yes they are um we're really this what your dance to is the cake. That'd be the bass players. You're dancing to us. Um, and then we look at them and then we keep everything together and then it all gets to the end and you look at everybody and go like, what were you doing? And then you move on to the next song because we're the bass players. That's right. <laughs> I love that role though. I do. Right? Oh, it's yeah. almost like a leadership. I mean, I get it that we follow drums because they're drums. We, we Yes. But sometimes the drums don't go right and so we li we're like, we make sure things go right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if. Yeah. 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 It's... You turn around, you stare at the drums, you look at them like, what are you doing? It's like 18 beats too fast. Slow down. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, yeah. Here's one thing I will, I love is that Mark is like a fucking metronome. Yeah. Yeah. Chris. Chris is a metronome. You know, you don't have to do that, Chris. He, 
he will come sometimes sometimes well the thing that the thing that i will all, I, I i i i like to ask is when we when when we play live it's always 5 beats a minute faster than when we practice yep right yeah but sometimes that doesn't work out so <laughs> right this is a bass run that I have a hard time doing anyway is now five beats, beats a minute faster. faster. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, we, we spend a lot of time on like, what tempo does this song feel the best? Sometimes I will, we will be playing a song live and I'll go, Oh, this is fast. Like the, there's, the, there's a pocket that the song loses in, in a five beat a minute window. There's right. A pocket. It's and so, so, in practice, we really go like, hey, last time we played live, we played this song fast and it felt really good. Let's try and pick up the tempo for this this run through of this song this time. Because last practice or last gig, that felt too fast. Like I felt like we were stumbling on parts and it wasn't breathing. Let's work on keeping this pot, you know, slowed down a little bit. Those are the only I mean, it's you know it. It's sometimes, I mean, sometimes it, it really comes down to mechanics. It's, yeah. I can do this lick at 110 beats per minute. I cannot do this lick any faster because I can't do it. And if it's too slow, then it's like, oh, all of a sudden I'm dragging on the lick that sounds great at 110 beats per minute. So that's really in, and I think all bands deal with this, right? I mean, right. cover and, and straight. You just like, you'll, you'll, this is what the bass players do. You just turn around and look at each other and go, yeah, slow down, you know, nod, you know, or you just literally bring the band down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I have, hold on, let me go to my notes. Um, okay. I want to, oh yeah, this is perfect timing. Perfect timing. It also became apparent to me in our conversation that you are, a bit of a nerd, my friend. Would you consider yourself a nerd? Um, I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons since eighth grade. Um, I am what you would consider a nerd. Yeah, I love it. I me too. Yeah. So I have Should one. We get your magic cards out now, or you want a Pokemon or something? I have a Psyduck and a Charmander. <laughs> Cards sitting up there. Of course you do. I, ha- yeah, I mean, yeah. there. I think there's six Minor or seven box. Pokemon. Yeah, up I there. see R two D two right there, and I'm looking at a Mandalorian. So it looks like we're on the right place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. Um, Star Screen. It's funny. I was just going to say. So right when are we going to start geeking out? Because like I've been playing D and D my whole life. So so here's what I want to ask you. Um, my I, I had this question right off the bat, and it could it, it could be short, it could be long. Sure. We go. Are you a Star Wars or a Star Trek guy? Ooh. No one has ever actually asked me that blank question and I have to choose. Do I have to choose? Well, no, you don't have to choose, but I find people are people will find that I they gravitate a, toward one more than the other. I am a Star Trek guy. Me too. I would say I'm a Star Trek guy. I love Star Wars. Um yeah, I absolutely love Star Wars. Um, you know, notwithstanding half their movies are, are questionable. But the lore is great, and the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda is adorable. But um, 
Star Trek was, of course, you know, the 8th, 10th grade. Oh, my God. What's this is great. And then next gen. Oh, my God. Every single week. Next gen, next gen, that's all there was. And then he had your Voyager and Deep, Deep Space, Space Nine. Nine. Oh. And so I sadly, so I, I paused a little bit only because I have not been very good about keeping up with the current stuff. Yeah. Uh, because you Picard. have to own like 15,000 different streaming services and I only own 15,000. I don't need the other 15. So I'm good. Um, eventually I'll get to it. Um, but I thought, you know, the Picard, I mean, Picard and, and this it's just great. I think their realm. I think I like how their universe is built. Star Wars again, fantastic. And I'm going to be Drag Leia um, that in, in my next oh. party. Whole another story there. Just saying. Yes, yeah. I love that because you know what are you going to do? It's wacky Star Wars. Okay, Drag Leia. It is. Mm-hmm. And and my gal, she sews so. And I just need a blaster. And Which a Leia? Of- Are you doing side buns, Leia? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cinnamon buns, Leia. Yeah. yeah. Good. I got the belt. White dress? Me. Yep. White the- dress, cinnamon buns, belt. Belt, blaster. That's all you need, Boom. right? And, 100%. And, yeah, it's easy. This is an easy one for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely a Trek guy, too. I think that the amount – it's not just the amount of content. It is, it is the message of every episode. Every single thing, there's something to learn from that is a positive toward humanity, that is positive toward uh, all creatures, like all life, not just people, all life. A bit more inclusive. Yeah. Um, but I have, a, I have a big question for you. Yeah, okay. Star Trek related. Oh. Would you use a teleporter? Do you know about the teleporter problem? Um, you mean it scrambles your 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 things a little bit? Yeah, I would use a, I'd use a transporter. Okay, so so here's the question. I mean, as long as Scotty's running it. Well, or um, or uh, Jordy. Oh, it could be Jordy. It's fine. I'm I'm fine with Jordy running the. Yeah. I I have no problem with using common technology. I mean, but, at the day that was okay. The- okay, well here here here's the the, the teleporter problem. This is a, a philosophical problem. So there's the analogy of the sh- the the plank ship, the sail, like a sailing ship. You pick any sailing ship, and as you the wood runs out, and so you start replacing a board at a time a beam at a time, things like that. And after a while, you've replaced most of the ship with new wood. It's no longer the actual constituents that it was originally built with. Is it the same ship? I see. Um, and so here's what happens. You're on the, the holodeck, or, or not the holodeck, you're on the transport deck of the Enterprise, and you have to get beamed down to a planet. You get demolecularized, and then they take atoms from the planet and remolecularize you with the same constituent parts but entirely new atoms they are not the atoms that you got disintegrated with on the enterprise your entire living person that you were the moment you got transported is no longer the same person you are now a new human your consciousness may be intact but are you the same human are you did you die and get brought back to life again? Nah, you just lost your virginity. You're all right. No, that's a good question, though. I mean, it really, but that only happens the first time. The first time it happens, it's happened. 
So as soon as you let it happen once, the, you ha- you are no longer the same molecular person you ever will be. So question is, but do you want to live in a society where this technology? That's a saying. Are you going to use a cell phone? Well, we're not. We're not truly swapping out every we're part not, that makes but, us human to but, do that. But but at what point? I mean. Right. When, when when does science become too intrusive that you no longer want to take part in science? Right. Mm, that's a good... Oh, wow. I didn't expect it to go there. Deep, Aaron. That's some deep stuff there. Yeah, man. It's the transporter problem. I don't think I would transport. No. I, I just want to know what, what character do you have playing right now? Are you playing a D&D character? I'm not. I'm not, not. in any campaigns what? at the moment. Um I I honestly haven't haven't actually done a campaign in probably over 5 years now. Were you a player or a DM? Huh? D dungeon master or player? Oh, player. Player. Player, yeah. Never never been a dungeon master. Been I've been a dungeon master for 30 years. That's a lot of work. More. That's a lot of work. 40 years now. Um, it can be, I mean, you know, there's a lot of memes that cover this. It really means that we're just making this shit up on the fly and it's yeah. okay. As long as it works out, no one you has have to, to know. You have to be able to tell a good story. You have to be able to, uh, keep the game interesting and even. It depends on how controlling a DM needs to be, right? If sure. a character wants to do something, a really controlling DM will say, well, you can't do that. That's not part of my campaign. A loose DM will say, okay, we're going into the forest. That was unexpected. And then you make it. So that's the type of DIM. That is how I play. It's like you're you're going left and not right. So I all the breadcrumbs said go right, but you're going left. Okie dokie. And yeah. I'll just run it. Here's the story. Here's yeah. what happens. And I randomly, you know, go for shit. And That's good. And players are usually... They're happy to what, play. What, what kind of characters do you like being? What, who do you like? Who do you oh, like? Oh, from a player? Make, yeah. So right now I have two characters playing. Um, at work, I am playing a samurai, first edition Dungeons and Dragons Oriental Adventures rules. I am playing a samurai Ito. He is first level, and he has yet to die. Everybody else has died. I'm, oh, I haven't awesome. died yet, so I'm doing good there. This is great. Um. My where I'm a player, um, I'm I'm playing a fairy. Sweet. Um, there is a fairy class. Yeah. Um, at first she started off as as Willow, and, who looked like Tinkerbell, and she was adorable, and she flew around, and she was all happy and and cute and all that stuff, and um, well, then bad things happened. Uh, she went to sleep. She woke up, and now she looks like dead leaves. Um, and she's pissed off and she is a spore druid and she'd rather just things die and she'll help him along and but, she's not happy or pleasant. Right. That's just who she is. Just, just if there's, if there's a little room for havoc to cause. Decay, it'd be great. That's yeah. cool. Just die or something. And be, so that's my character now is she's, she's, she's pretty. People are like, am- oh, great. Like, she's, she's tagging along with us. She's not there. Yeah. But, but she flies. So she, her movement is flight, which is yeah. a fairly rare ability in Dungeons and Dragons. Most yes. everybody walks, yes. right? Um, and so I literally get to fly a hundred feet in the air and and zap the shit out of stuff, and they can't touch me. 
Except for the arrows that kill me. I have died twice. I I, I die a archers. lot. I, yeah, I hate... Fucking archers. Fucking archers. I don't have a shield either. Um, So I die a lot because I don't have a good armor class. But you know what? Here's the thing. I don't actually care because I'm a sport druid. And yeah. death is just part of what happens to you. Fall into the ground, get rebirthed. Yeah, no big deal. Right. And I'm pretty sure my DM wants me to actually... St- stay alive and so 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 i keep resurrecting you know and i'm good but slowly but surely i'm getting very powerful and i'm gonna just kill everything it's so fun <laughs> i love that anyway that's what i, I, I yeah yeah I, I like being a mage i love i love pl- magic play mages are fun um i love being a mage a lot fireball of t- uh, oh yeah a lot of times i'll take on like a, a warrior mage pick Whoa. up pick up both classes yeah uh, because I I feel like all mages should wield weapons. Uh, um, you don't get armor, you don't get shielding. Nope. But you get a sword and or you a can lance. Cast shield spell. Y- yes. So so I played a sword singer, which was a mage sword dancer guy. Right. Yeah. My last campaign, and it was literally the best of both worlds. No armor. No. But you had magic to make up for that, right. and you would. Just kick the shit out of anything. Yeah, because spell rolls and then <laughs> then uh, melee rolls, <laughs> attack rolls. Yeah, so much fun. So fun. We need to get you back into the game here. Yeah, I. You know, there's what th- happened to your game. I uh, people move. People, uh, you know, coworkers don't work at your place anymore, and lives just separate. And and honestly, there's, you know, I, I looked at it and I'm like. It's it's not like a a giant amount of time, but it kind of is. It's a day a week. Yeah, and that's a giant amount of time. And so, it it just turned into an obligation. Like at the moment, there are things that those hours I could, I feel better about myself, allotting some of that time to things that, you know. A little more tangible than Dungeons and Dragons. Well, it's, I mean, quite honest, you know, I'm I'm balls deep in like three or four different video games right now. I'm a huge gamer <laughs> as well. Right. So not not actually tangible, but nevertheless, things that need to be done. Right. Um, I get it. Right. Time is uh, precious. You know, and and if I could go, hey, I could play bass, play with my puppy, do all my errands, and video game. God, puppy might be the big one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I find it, it's, it's actually refreshing to, uh, t- to talk and, and, and to meet somebody that has as many hobbies and interests, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, and you may know this, a lot of people don't fill their time with these sort of activities. They fill their time a lot with TV or, mm-hmm. or something and they don't actually interact a lot. And, and it's sad, you know, um, I get this at work a lot. Um, I, manage a lot of people and get to meet these people and realize what their personal life is and it's not they're not they're not drummers and it's like oh man you should maybe pick up an instrument that'd be that would be forward well something to do a real hobby yeah something that has tangible output right um i mean it's great to be the best halo player ever and I've never really been a big video game guy, but in, and and video games have a place. I would never dog video games at all. Other than Mech Warrior, you know, other than Mech Warrior. But again, that was back in the college days. Yeah, I yeah, should yeah. probably have been studying. Um, but you know, things that have tangible outputs, I think, have greater experience points in real life than things that are virtual. Uh, they just do. 
um, virtual friends are not they're not as valuable as real friends. Yeah, I'm not that not that they don't have value or that they don't exist, but real friends, real experiences, I in my opinion, are just feel more valuable to me. Well, I think that I think that there is a uh, part of the way our brains evolved evolutionarily were to have human connection, social interaction, a- and th- there is there is something about sitting in a room with somebody. This versus me doing this podcast with you if you were at your house and we were on Skype or something. It would you, not you, have the same feeling. At not all. all, not at all. But we would probably still get value out of the conversation. We would probably have still touched on a lot of these topics, and and you know some of the conversation may have even gone the exact same as this went. But I, you're only getting ten percent experience points, though. Right, it's not going to give you the max. Right, and so you know to 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 take some of your time and allow yourself to go. I'm gonna I'm gonna get into leather carving or wood making <sighs> or learning to solve the rubik's cube not with just an algorithm but to actually teach yourself how a rubik's cube works to logistically solve it or to pick up a, a juggling tool like a kendama or uh, uh make mod i mean man this this room is only my hobbies you know if if i'm not playing music or painting or crafting or gaming I'm making music on here. I I I also make hip hop. That that's another entire like not even rock or anything related. I love producing hip hop. A whole other layer. Yeah. Um. I have a I have a brother in law. Um. Maybe it's an age thing. Maybe it's our generation. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we were, maybe we were born at that right time where where video games weren't really there and we had a playground and we had to come up with our own executive function and, and make games on our own imagination. Oh yeah. D and D wasn't quite here yet, but it hit up around sixth, seventh grade, depending on how there we is were. nothing um, better than a good stick. Oh, nothing better than a good stick. I can make a million games out, but I, so I got a brother-in-law every year. This guy becomes a master at a new thing. And I am talking about the most coolest, Okay, so um, first it was flint napping. Do you want an axe? Because he'll make you a freaking axe, a axe or an yeah. arrowhead or whatever you want. And then came, oh, how about the blacksmithing? Yeah, okay, then came the blacksmithing. And then came the oh, 3D printer. You knew that was coming, right? Sure. But not just one. How about two? The filament and the dip, right? Because, you know, two is better. And it's like every time. Okay. Where's, where's glass blowing? Oh. Not there yet, but brewing has already happened. Oh, and yeah, before sure. that was, you know, and it's like, you're looking at this guy like going, dude, you're like, so my phone a friend. Holy sh, you know all of this stuff. He could nap you an axe out of granite. And you, yeah, if you want to live, you head up to this guy's house, right? Right. right. It's just like, it just seems like that gene didn't get passed down as much as we wish. It did, because I don't see that evidence as uh, much. It, it is I, – I think it has to do with necessity, and necessity breeds, in, breeds innovation. Well, I guess you're right. If, if you have something that is, that is entertaining in front of you, you will grab that. If you have to create your own entertainment, you'll do that. One is harder than the other. So if you have a preference or if you have the ability to pick up something versus invent something, you will pick it up. Almost every time versus invent. 
and I think that with poorness and that kind of thing, um, invention got bred. Yeah, and it, you know, you're right. I mean, every generation is different. Um, we always say that we want our kids to have more than we had. Yeah. And, well, maybe that was not, maybe that wasn't the right thing. If you give kids more than what you had, then they won't strive for some of the things that you had to strive for. Mm. And so here you're looking for this element that you want to bring in your kid. You're like, but you didn't create that environment to drive that element because you gave right. them that opportunity. It was deprived to you. And so you reached for it. Yep. Ah, man, we so screwed up. I know. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, and we are back one more time. Dude, Myron, been- your six string bass over there. <sighs> yeah, that's, that's a, that's a beauty. So, I got that from my little brother also. It's funny. I only own three bases, and two of the three I got from my brother. I'm a, I'm a creature of, of habit. I don't mm-hmm. go out and I buy new bases. Mm-hmm. I'm not a gear junkie. No, I don't do that either. I'm a, I have – yeah. My, my this, base is 20 years old. I, I don't get a new one. Right. <laughs> I, I like my base. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that one – that's a – that's a lot of fun. I I, I, I I practice on that one yeah. because it's a really long scale length. It's a 35-inch neck. Is that one and one on the bottom, one on the top extra? Yeah. 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 And so – um, and I tuned it. I have it tuned all in fifths. Oh, so, so it's not even standard. Yeah. So, well, yeah. So, ev- so um, it, it's, it's like a standard bass. Uh, it's a – It'd be basically the low string is a B, and then the high string is a C. So every so so instead of being a B like on a guitar, you know, instead of having the E A D G B, I I tuned up another half step, and so it's a C, so that you get the fifth, yeah, the same patterns the whole neck through, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I practice on that bass a lot. I the only reason I don't use it live is because I'm the pickups are not very aggressive. Um it has a really it's like a a concert bass kind of feel. Even if it has really good onboard electronics, it's active. Um and you can make it sound pretty kind of growly, snappy, but it just doesn't have that attack. And so I need to upgrade the pickups in it. Um, it's a lot of fun to play, though, man. Yeah. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. I got a five. I I pluck around on it, but I really like four. I just, yeah. You know, Getty Getty and Steve got through their entire career on a four string bass, and it's like I can do that too. Yep. Though a lot of my favorite bass players play five strings. Yeah, I I like the five and, and be, that that low that extra low string. Yeah. I like a lot. It's and, the D. And 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 here's the only reason I really I truly like it is for having the ability to play an open B. Yeah, because, for me, it's even just a D. Just you know, because sure. when you know cover drop drop D song, right? It's like, man, if I had a five string, I just I just play this song. <laughs> It'd be really yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. Um, but slapping an open open B too, a big old fat fatty. That's that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, just because you you get like, you know, a lot of songs, especially in metal or in E, um, and so having the f- 
the fourth below. Yeah, go be be able to go below and up, oh and up, yep. And it, yeah. it just it just adds a little bit more dynamic range. Um, it's not necessary. It it, it really it, it if you're playing the right notes, whether they're an octave up or an octave lower, does the work. Well, again, Steve is proved. I mean, this has been proved through history. We're, we're you know low E is fine. It's just. Again, being able to drop to a D or a B is is nice it, in certain yeah. songs. But the other thing is too is if if the band is composing the songs around all of the musicians, if you're playing and instead of going down to the low D, you're playing your D here. If the guitars aren't in the way of that note, that note is as low as it needs to be because yeah. it shines through the yeah, entire exactly, mix. Exactly. Once the fucking guitars come down and step on you because they're in drop D, then you're playing the same fucking note. <laughs> and it's, it, yeah, those assholes. Yeah, I know. Damn guitar players getting <laughs> all that like is. Like I said, they're the frosting. We're, we're, the, we're the cake. Yeah. I just don't understand all of like the detune fad that's happening right now. Like people buying seven and eight string guitars. And their low note is like a low G. They they way tune down, and basically their bottom two strings of their eight string guitars are bass strings. And I'm going, I'm going. Okay, if you guys are doing that, why do you one have a bass player, and two, where is any of the brilliance in your song? If everything is low and crunchy. Where's the brilliance? Where is the f- where is the fluff still? It it it's it's I think it's needed. Well, if any of them become the next Metallica, then then they'll yeah. let us know what that looks like. I guess I've yeah. seen the three string bass, three string guitar guitars, and it's like, oh, that's a interesting concept. And, you know, granted, maybe it's part of, you know me. I'm not a multi musicianal guy, and I'm a little you know it's like little jelly that people can play like you know six instruments and that's just great i play bass that's what i do um i don't need no hybrid bass guitar i i'm fine with what i got yeah yeah <laughs> and but you know when you're when you're you know a unitasker it's really what i am right i'm a unitasker but unitaskers are good at what they do you know they don't they don't fluff around there ain't nothing else going on there you are just a bass player and so i think i've resigned myself to that role i'm okay with it <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Dude, this has been a, such a fucking blast. This has been fun. I've never, most of my podcasts have been like 20 minutes and they revolved around where Splinter Throne is going. It's nice to have uh, someone ask me, you know, how I am doing. That's pretty cool. I, this, this is the, like, it is the driving force in why I've been doing it for so long. Um, cause it's not like I make money off my podcast. Oh, you're not you getting ri- you're not getting rich off this? Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck no! It yeah. is it is a it is my time put into it that and these conversations like this are the reason I keep doing it. You know, it's I have a small listener base. They come back, they always listen, but it's not enough for like advertiser to go, hey, they're getting enough downloads that we will 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 sponsor their episodes. It's going on NPR next, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm I'm small, tiny fifth flounder in the in the sea of fucking podcasts, but. We're here, but man. you're we putting out it. content. That's yeah. what matters. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think that's where the value is. Um, at least that's what I tell myself. But no, I, I think that's where the value actually is. Um, having something worthwhile to say, giving 
giving insights from other people who uh, have their own reasons and their own drives for a passion that is outside of norm. I, I mean, really, we highlighted it great. We're, we're rare. And finding out and expressing that, hey, normal fucking people will do this just because they love to and anybody can do it, right? Anybody can do it. Um, may give hope. May may get someone sitting there not doing it to do it. To have a dream to wish they were a painter but don't own paintbrushes to go and buy some. Or I got a quick happy story. You do it. A couple months ago, my kid came home with a squire Stratocaster under his arm and said, "Hey, I borrowed a guitar. You have no idea how happy I was." My kid's got a guitar, and he's learning Cure songs up in his room. I am so ecstatic. Fuck yeah. Good job, Tucker. Love you, buddy. That's it, dude. That's it. Um, Get a guitar. Learn how to play a tune, guys. Cure songs. That's What a way to start, too. I know, right? Oh, oh the heartache he's going to have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can feel it sure now. sure he's already had it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, Brian, this is... This has, again, been great. Great, Aaron. Um, I appreciate it. And for all you out there, uh, again, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, You heard my message at the beginning. If you guys are still here three hours into this podcast, let's um, shoot me a message. You want to play a game? I'd like to hear from you. Uh, Again, you can follow me on all the places I follow. Find this podcast and all the ones. Go like it. Go subscribe. Uh, It means a lot, and it's free to you. And... Above all else, as I say at the end of every episode, every single episode, forever, and I'll keep doing it forever, drive like you know each other.